Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Keeper escapes, makes a cut, Daniels in space, who scores? 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important, so is your budget. Trying for the end zone is May. Has a man. Did he catch it? What a catch in the corner by Pesor. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance. Protecting Texans since 1952. Play action. McCarthy. All day to throw. Finds a crosser. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Plenty of time for Stroud. Directing receivers, flips it to the end zone. Caught, touchdown! Marvin Harrison Jr. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Bowers after the play fake, showing his great athleticism. He's going to take it all the way for his third touchdown of the game. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. All right, here we go. It's the opening night of the Texas high school football season, the opening weekend of the college football season, the NFL right around the corner, and this is 365 Sports. We appreciate your time today. Paul Catalina, 
Craig Smoke. I'm David Smoke, and here we go. We've been waiting for football season, and it is now here. And, of course, the first full weekend coming up back uh, open up the month of September. There's a lot of things to get to. We will have Nicole Arabach from the uh, athletic.com. She also writes for NBCSports.com now on what's happening with what's the latest with the ACC. She has a full article about that, as do others, uh, in uh, today's athletic. And, and we're going to kind of kind of cut through the crap, I guess you could say, and really see where they are because it just depends on who you listen to on that. And also, how and why does it make sense? Also, uh, Garrett, let's start with this, the Alliance. This is the second anniversary of the Alliance in reaction to the SEC and Texas and Oklahoma, the Alliance with the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 announced an historic Alliance that will bring 41 world-class institutions together on a collaborative uh, approach surrounding the future evolution of college athletics. See, that's not completely a lie. They collaborated with those conferences and figured out how to use them to change the future of college athletics, which the Big Ten did. Uh, And now those two conferences, one of them is non-existent, and then one of them is in the midst of infighting that may result in them adding three schools that won't improve their football product at all, yet ESPN, I guess, maybe is contractually obligated to pay for it if they do that, if they've already, I don't know. Well, that's some one of the reasons I'm, I asked I'm her to so, come on. I'm so confused about all of this because ESPN and Fox have all this television money, and they, they obviously were encouraging conferences to expand, but... You're paying all this money is going to go to these schools that are going out and in the wake of the alliance failing in the last two years, or it didn't even take two months to fail and we knew everything was going on. But yeah, it is so strange what's going on in the ACC right now that, okay, I don't, we're not interested in paying Cal and Stanford, you know, any more than $30 million a year to play each other in the, in the Pac 12. And we don't want to see errors. We don't, all that stuff, we don't want the Pac 12 anymore. There's no money for it there's no television deal and all that but you're going to pay them to go play somebody else that they've never played before it's almost like there's more value craig for cal stanford on an eastern coast conference than there is when they were a part of what was a 100 plus year old conference in the pac-12 well first of all in the alliance i mean it was historic it was historically laughable (laughs) it was uh, historically forgettable and yet unforgettable because of how silly it turned out to be especially given all the chest puffing and posturing that there was at the time if y'all remember when that announcement was made a lot of pack fans not all of them but some of the more arrogant ones that wonder where's this big 12 vitriol coming from it's coming back from that uh it's coming back from yes passovers of previous possible additions when you you know, snubbed Texas Tech or Oklahoma State. It comes from some of that as well. But I think just in general, some of that comes from that whole alliance situation. And uh, it is amazing how just uh, that did not matter at all in the long run. But it was a big deal that day and for like a little while afterwards. But really, it became nothing. And now, as you point out, it's really nothing because one branch doesn't even hardly exist now at this point. They exist in name only. All four of the schools that are even keeping it together are all looking for outs uh, and, and places to land. And, you know, one of them, the one that 
you know, basically got into it and then was the one that kind of tore it apart as well as the one that's sitting fat and happy and got what they wanted with Kevin Warren at the time, right? And then, yeah, the other one's in the midst of whatever's going on that Paul's trying to figure out, and I think everybody else is trying to figure out. I know there's a lot of wishy-washy kind of reporting out there on this. I've seen a couple in particular where it just changes like the wind blows to fit whatever the feeling is like online at that moment, and it's like, oh, it's quiet. Okay, let's rustle something up. It's it's too loud. Oh, let's calm it down because nothing's actually happening. There's just been a lot of just – and that's not directed in any certain direction. It's just in general, this has been a very wishy-washy sort of story that you can't really make a lot of sense of because, like you said, it doesn't make any sense. It just really doesn't. I mean, it makes sense, like we talked about yesterday, from the standpoint of people need places to go. Okay, so from that standpoint, it makes sense that Cal and Stanford would have interest in the ACC. It would make sense. It makes sense that the ACC is looking for any ways to get extra money. But as far as how this holds everything together and it all puts the pieces back in places where they need to be, so that we can all move on, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The only thing I can think of is that I get it from Cal and Stanford's point of view. Heck yeah, I get yeah. it from SMU's point of view. I really don't get it from the ACC's point of view because as everyone will point out, it doesn't really fix the long-term, but my only thought is maybe it does because they realize there's not a long-term with those schools anyway, and let's go ahead and add our BYU and our Cincinnati and our Houston beforehand, and then when those schools leave, we've already basically set the table for ourselves. That's where I kind of landed. Of it's a, it's a premature action that's inevitable to happen anyways, and while these brands are out there, grab them and get a little something out of it and hope that that can kind of cool the waters somewhat. But long-term, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. What's the difference in what the ACC is at least thinking about doing in what the Big 12 did with the four schools from the Pac-12? Other than the logistics of the thing, not really. I mean, like there are, I mean, there's no, at least with the Big 12, there's, there's a center part of it where, you know, you're, not every game is going to be, you know, a, a four-hour plane ride. As where for Stanford and Cal, every road game you have is minimum two and a half to three hours to fly like the closest road game you have other than each other is to Dallas, which San Fran to Dallas is, a, is, is not a short flight. You know, it's not overseas, but it's so you, other than logistics, no, it's not different. What I don't understand is the TV next were saying, well, there's not money for this. There's not money for exactly. this. There's not money, but of the PAC 12 schools, if the ACC does take Cal and Stanford and even takes them in a partial share. Say they get $25 million. And I don't know what the partial share is, but eventually they're going to get the full share. Eventually they're going to get what they turn down to keep the Pac-12 together at $30 million a year or so. And the only people who are left out in that are Oregon State and Washington State. So 10 of the if 12... If the money was there, in other words, why wouldn't they have just given the Pac-12? Well, of course... It- the Pac-12 turned that down. Well, though. it makes them seem even dumber now yeah, yeah. in that the money was clearly there, not only for the Pac-12, but the Big 12, in that the networks were probably willing to do this at a certain amount, and the Pac-12 just handled this so badly that their the conference is gone, and the logistics are maddening, and now you're off all these other places, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just confused. I, I think the big difference, clearly, between the Big 12 and the ACC is the Big 12 didn't add these schools, and then they have Kansas and Kansas State and Oklahoma State and TCU threatening to still leave. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, it's a huge difference, um, yeah. So the Big 12 added schools that were additive uh, and that are going to come in, and everybody is going to seemingly get along for the first time ever. Uh, and I know there will still be 
now new rivalries developed and new arguments and, and things like that, but compared to what it has been with uh, two have been ruling the roost and then the ones that were doing it beforehand, I mean, all those parties are gone. So now I think you've got people who are seeing eye to eye. Florida State looking Wake Forest in the eye and saying we're the same? No, they're no. absolutely they're not. I mean, they're not looking at Duke football and going like, yeah, that's us too. You know, I mean, I think in the Big 12, it's more teams that are seeing eye to eye on a variety of, of things, including just sort of where they are in the world, where in the ACC, there's clearly some programs that feel they're the OU in Texas or they're the USC of that conference. And that's not just going to go away. Um, and it's not going to be fixed by bringing in SMU and bringing in Stanford and Cal. Like maybe that calms down some of the... I guess, concerns or worries to to some extent, but I can't see where it's dramatic enough to change the opinion that they des- deserve and need to be in a bigger conference. So the big difference is the Big 12 is is basically a, a group that's going to remain intact. Now, I know there's there's always the off chance of, like, the Big 10 gets, you know, crazy and wants to become this or that, and they invite Kansas one day, right? Okay, like, that's been a rumor that's been out there for a long time. Let's say they finally bite the bullet and they invite Kansas. That's one way that the Big 12 could suffer. But is there any looming threat that we know of right now for the Big 10 to come and poach Kansas? No. No, No, absolutely not. Is there one for, you know, uh, the ACC and that Florida State and Clemson, if they got an opportunity, would go somewhere? Absolutely. That's the big difference. One is is more stable and one is very much – it's a question of how stable they, they are right now, but especially in the long term. All right, so there's that, the two-year anniversary of something that really never materialized. And even when there was concerns about what would happen with the Pac-12, there were some stories about the fact they were still looking at some sort of, uh, I guess you could say, partnership with the ACC. That never materialized. In fact, the ACC is the third conference to now look at taking away from the Pac-12. The Big Ten did twice with USC-UCLA, eventually Oregon and Washington. The Big 12 added four, and now the ACC, who knows, may be on the cusp if it works out, if the, the vote happens, of, of taking a couple of more teams. And then you're, the, ba- the Beavers and the Cougars are sitting out there like, again, what happened here? You know, if anything, the Alliance would be the one to deal the first and last blows, would it not? I mean... You could have afforded to lost Arizona. So if you're like in the the or Colorado, you could have lost Colorado and been fine, as we saw. And they were still moving forward despite Colorado. So, yes, technically, um, you know, you throw that in there. But the first shots were USC and UCLA of the pack cracks, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the Big Ten. Shortly after the alliance uh, turned into nothing, and then you had. Um, here at the very end, uh, potentially the ACC uh, with Cal and Stanford taking the remnants. Like I know the pack is is dead pretty much regardless. I'm just saying they they, they took the first teams and they could very well take the, the last couple of teams and um, or the ACC I should say could finish it off the the uh, the final blow to the pack. I guess is what I was trying to say. It got confused in my head. But the Big Ten delivered USC and UCLA blows, and now you could have the ACC just go ahead and deliver that that last blow, even though. You know, anybody could do that at this point because it's like a house of cards, it appears. But it's just kind of interesting how that works out given the two-year anniversary of that incredible partnership that was the Alliance. All right, so a part of Nicole Arbach's story about the ACC meeting as a, as the conference continues to consider Stanford, Cowan, and SMU, 
Um, a group of ACC presidents met Wednesday. We've reported this, but kind of going over the timeline to discuss finance, finances. One of the uh, sources saying that another set of presidents expected to meet separately as a small group later in the week, which is Thursday. So there's a couple of days left and a meeting of the league's athletic directors expected as well. The ACC had a number of meetings throughout the month to discuss expansion. We've known that sift through the financial details that could make it possible. And yet, not conducted a formal vote amid pushback from within the league, and we know who those are, Florida Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, and NC State. The conference needs 12 of the 15 members, we know that, in order to make anything when it comes to adding to the conference. Uh, that's been two weeks since they had a straw poll. What has really changed? Nicole's going to kind of go over that with us at 510. We'll have Max Olson on today at 4 from The Athletic as well. And it just is a matter of... What Cal, what Stanford, what SMU are, are, are willing to give up. In fact, we've heard reports that SMU's willing to give up anything, everything maybe, for a few years. What will be the partial shares for Cal and Stanford? And then on top of that, it still may not be enough unless they can flip one of those four votes with North Carolina schools, Florida State, and Clemson. And that's if those are the only hardcore four votes. I mean, you don't know about the yeah. rest of the league. They yeah. could be like, yeah, we'll flip over. We don't care. We'll flip to no. And yeah. So there's there's not a just a concrete block of automatic yeses necessarily. The, the top five days about this, and, one, and I'll just pre- preview it for anybody who's not there. One of the things is we know who that there are four no votes right now, but as long as there's four public no's, Nobody else has to be a no. Right. So Miami doesn't have to say no if they don't want this because they've already got enough people out there so they don't, they don't have any blood on their hands if it doesn't happen because they can be like, well, we always wanted it. You know, we're, we're innovative down here yeah. in Miami. We're all about it. But, you know, that, that's the other thing is right now, right now four schools are against it. But that doesn't mean that others aren't. There might still be some among the eight that changed their mind. Franklin Holly, I, I just I addressed this, but I want to go over your uh, message in the chat room. What you all are missing and wondering why Pac-12 teams are more valuable in other conferences is this. Uh, they're transitioning from north-south alignment to east and west. No, that's exactly what I mentioned, is that, that it is interesting that Cal Stanford are more valuable now outside of the Pac-12 for TV money that it was not supposed to be there. And now we understand why, because they still might open up a window on the West Coast. That's absolutely for the TV windows, if in fact that does occur. So there we are. Franklin Holly, thanks for your chat room message to us on 365 Sports. Yeah, I don't think we're we're confused by them having value or potentially adding value. It's just confusing how it's enough to overcome the other issues that are in play. But yeah, I mean, there's... There's clearly an attraction to have the academics to be able to brag about, to, to be able to have the, you know, the coast-to-coast alignments, to be able to have a West Coast presence and various other things. Uh, make it you know, a, a worthwhile proposition for the ACC. But there's also things that I think go in the opposite direction um, that, that don't make it the greatest layup in the world. Um, so I think that's why it's so interesting is because just one realignment in general as we've seen is is pretty interesting for a lot of folks out there but this is clearly something that's 
you know, kind of it's a big deal. I mean, it's it's two programs and and two other programs going different directions clearly, but needing to find landing spots and to put you know kind of a final button on whatever the Pac-12. Uh, will be looked back upon as. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cal and Stanford, it's clear to see why the ACC would be tempted. It's clear what Notre Dame, you know, is clearly, you know, was one of the ones mentioned as, as pushing them in. There's there's clearly people that see value there. But, yeah, it's just uh, it's interesting in this, in this situation versus the one they just came out of. But it just it makes the Pac-12 seem so much more dumb in the way they handled this. Yes. And that their the money was, was there. There's clearly value for the Pac-12. And then because they were so greedy and nose in the air and just completely not open to innovation or anything different. Uh, I I mean, innovation, the the Apple deal and all that, like about was as innovative as it could get for this time. But but it was also the potential to be the Pac-12 network all over again. Sure, yeah. So... They weren't, especially when it came to let's see what the let's see what the Big Twelve has to say. It was, you know, no, no, no. Um, we dare not deign to be in a conference in, that that lives in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Ames, Iowa, and all these all these places. All that stuff cost them what was value that they're they're getting anyway, but they're going to lose some of because they have to travel all over the place and. Uh, Eventually, I mean, some of these schools still aren't really that protected in that if the Big Ten and SEC get their way, they'll push them all out anyway. Yeah, yeah. there's a, there's a lot of interesting questions here. I mean, for one, you know, that whole SMU giving up the money for seven years. I mean, what does that look like in seven years? What does the ACC look like? I know they don't care. They're basically burning it. But if you're Cal and you're already struggling, I've seen this. Um, you know, several times now, because I think everybody's wondering the same thing. If you didn't have money before, like as far as your athletic department, and you were kind of hurting as far as that goes, uh, Cal-wise, and, and somebody from Cal can explain better, but how does this make it be- – like, you, I guess you're making more money 10 years from now potentially, but in the in the near term, right? I mean, between the travel and the fact that you're not taking a full share – that just seems like it's going to be more problematic financially, which is you know just another uh, layer to this that just it doesn't make sense is what well, I'm getting at. And so there's a lot of, of, of little questions like that that make this a really odd story. And I think that's why people are perplexed but also very curious because it's like there's so many different uh, tentacles to it that are going to have an effect in some form or fashion on you know the whole country and, and the college, uh, college football landscape. Conundrum, so. the depth of Pac-12 stupidity cannot be measured. No, it can't. I mean, they're like everything they did was wrong every step of the way, and they weren't. They clearly weren't on the same page uh, as you know as as a as a group. And you know, I just I really do wonder when everybody started to feel different levels of pressure and how much you just bought the party line, you know, and how much. You were the guy sitting there in the disaster movie when the laser hits going, oh, well, I should have probably listened to the, the dude with the computer the first in the first scene. And they've just gotten eviscerated. And, yeah, none of this is ever going to make any sense to me when all you had to do was say, like, okay, like, I know ESPN and Fox, you're offering $30 million a year. Could you do, like, 39 and then, like, go? But, no, to almost double the offer, be like, yeah, how about 50 and they're like, okay. And if that, and again, that story anywhere. was from a professor on a campus, and that's still – Sam Bradshaw could have saved them a hell of a lot of money. They should have hired Bob Thompson, Jim Williams, and Sam Bradshaw. 
and gotten some real data and also some background, and they didn't. And Patrick Craig's, they would have made, they would have already had their deal signed a long, long time ago. Um, so there we are with that. That's kind of the update. Max at four, Nicole Arbach at 510, Craig's off the radar, and also today, Taylor McCargan, we need to talk to him at 430 from ESPN. So last year, or last week, he made comments about how it was Texas's conference. Most everyone has agreed. I saw another uh, poll came out today, CBS Sports. I think seven out of eight riders all picked UT to win it. So that's pretty much been the case, and I know that's debatable, but it's, it's still that's the case. And Taylor last week basically just said it's Texas and nobody else, and he got eviscerated by that. And I get it. Fans are passionate. And he, he even texted me. He goes, man, I got crushed last week. So he's going to come on and kind of uh, not take back what he said, but kind of explain himself a little bit more today at 430. Yeah, maybe he misspoke. I'm going to guess that that's what happened. And, and we, we got lost in translation or something because, you know what, it, it would be the easy thing to do to pick, you know, Oklahoma or, or Texas. But to think that it's just a one-horse race, uh, I think Oklahoma could have something to say about that, although they're a, a total mystery, I think, to most of the country as far as, you know, truly what to – what we'll see. Um, there's just as many people that I think that believe they can return to, to some level of prominence uh, quickly in year two under Brent Venables. Now that they got that, that mulligan out of the way, as there are people who think this is the start of the downslope, right? Um, so, you know, you at least have to mention them and, and think that they could be in the mix, but to not, you know, think that TCU or Kansas State or somebody else in Oklahoma State could rise up and be in Texas Tech, um, you know, yeah, I think that's where saying it's a one-horse race is, you know, I, I can see where that gets some backlash. But as far as, you know, just saying it's Texas to lose, I agree with that. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk, but I do think, you know, for all the reasons we've mentioned and everybody else has mentioned now for the last couple months, it is theirs to lose. Like, they should be the team that wins it on paper this year. And uh, I think that's just it's as clear as it's ever been that that's the case because normally you'd have an Oklahoma that maybe made you doubt that because, hey, they can't beat the Sooners or, or whatever the case may be. That's not the case now after last year. They just beat them at a historic level, even though, yes, the quarterback was hurt, Dylan Gabriel. But I, I just think the attitude in the room is different. So to say that you think Texas is going to win it and it's theirs to lose, I don't think that that's taboo. But to act like there's not a handful of teams that could all jump up and make some noise, I think is probably well, where he aired. Northeast Ohio, Boise State. Oh, go, go ahead. Go no, on that. Nothing's changed about the Big 12. Yeah, but they beat as up far- a team in Oklahoma without their quarterback. And it's, they, they buried them. A lot of times, those two teams, when they play, there are some big-time blowouts. But but what's the default? OU really was an average football team, but they did take out all inches of anger on them, no question. It's not even about that result as much as it is, okay, every year when the poll's being filled out, who's put in at number one for the most part? For like a, it was OU. Last 15 They're years, not there yeah. now. They're yeah. not that team that you put automatically at number one. You might not even put them at two or three. So this big boogeyman that was in your way so often um, that sometimes you got, but most of the time, you know, you didn't um, here recently, or at, at least even if you did at the end, it was still them pretty much standing tall over and over and over again. That's been broken these last couple of years. And now not only has that streak been broken, but now they don't look quite like the team that's just automatically going to bounce back. Like there's real doubts there for the first time in a long time. So that's where I think that you eliminate this big bad that's always there and it makes you think, or at least it makes me think, that, okay, yeah, Texas doesn't have this formidable force still standing in their way. Uh, no, you, you, like I said, the Big 12 hasn't changed, though. So, like, what's really, to me, Oklahoma's not Texas' the biggest problem. It's the rest of the conference right. that's it's not all that State. far apart. It's TCU. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, but people, Texas Tech. But people don't see 
a threat now because Oklahoma's not a threat. They're not respecting TCU and Kansas State and all of that. So they see Oklahoma out of the way, and it's like, hey, this is a this is a cakewalk. And I think that's where some people are uh, coming from. It, it, this conference has never been a cakewalk, even when Oklahoma ran it or Baylor one time or TCU. Or, Baylor won it a couple of different times. There are others who have done that. Even Oklahoma State's had their runs, too. Um, so that's it with the ACC. And yet again, there's a lot of stuff out there that you got to be careful about who's throwing mud against the wall and hoping it sticks uh, as I've used that uh, a comparison with spaghetti noodles against the refrigerator. Um, but but it's there, and it is simmering, and now we'll see if it ever becomes more than that and starts to bubble up. T.J. Scott, David Smoke, uh, he is picking Texas to win it all. Ask him who he picked last year and the year before. I agree, Texas should win it all, but they should have it, uh, won it all every year. I, I damn sure didn't pick Baylor two years ago. I had Baylor probably around six or seven. And I absolutely did not pick Kansas State last year. I probably had them about four or five. And I had Texas or TCU probably five or six, six or seven. So it is a very difficult conference to pick. You can always kind of rely on Oklahoma. They were always going to be in the mix, but that has changed in the last couple of years. All right, and remember, they weren't far away from playing in the game last year or two years ago when they when they lost to Oklahoma State in that incredible game in Stillwater. So somebody will rise up, get near the top, but it will be fun to watch, and thank God games are about to start here uh, in college football. Now, besides the ACC story, there's a couple of other ones. Again, I, I just when I saw the Alliance two-year anniversary, I said, my God, it's like a blurred out, like you could not use an eraser large enough to get rid of that. LSU playing Florida State, opening up the year, right? September 3rd, great game, two top 10 teams. Heck of a game last year. Uh, Mason Smith is going to miss the opening game. Uh, a one-game suspension by the NCAA over an improper benefit. According to the Baton Rouge Advocate, which first reported the discipline. Smith cooperated with the investigation, ruled him ineligible. Uh, he was uh, signing some – he got money before NIL kicked in, Garrett. Is that right? That's your team, right? Yeah, yeah. So they were signing autographs, him and Keishon Booty, and um, they got busted. It, it was like a week prior to NIL actually becoming a thing. So regardless, he was going to have the suspension. I t- get it from a technical standpoint, but it's just stupid. At the end of the day, it's stupid. Yeah, it's just, it's bad timing, and then probably not very smart either. And uh, so he's going to be suspended for the first game against Florida State. Anything college football will do to help the, the Seminoles, it's ridiculous. Right. I, you know, I, for one, applaud the swift justice mm-hmm. by the NCAA. The as NCAA you know, has never been as, swift justice. As you know, I've always lauded uh, their efforts and think that they do everything well. No, this is dumb. It's, I mean, it's just sometimes you need to just let things go and that because is the juice worth the squeeze to make sure Kayshawn Booty and Mason Smith get suspended for a game for being mildly dumb about doing an autograph signing just before a rule that it was passed was passed, especially when someone like Reggie Bush is suing yeah. you right now yeah. for something that happened when the rule was well entrenched and didn't even look any like it was going to change anytime soon. They just they just don't know when they but should when do they things can not. strike, they do it. If they yeah. can, they will, even if it's the most minor details or in this particular, a good player that LSU loses for that opening game. Yeah, I'm not saying I agree with the punishment and the timing sucks where, you know, it was a situation where it was so close to he could have just done it and not had any problem doing it. But, I mean, we're doing an awful lot of, like, rules don't matter and then talking about how there aren't any rules. Like, 
yeah, Reggie Bush broke the rules, but hey, give him his Heisman back. And I agree, give him his Heisman back. I'm not against that. I, I think Mason Smith getting suspended is silly, but like, are we enforcing the rules or are we just talking about having rules and then we want those to help out, but then are we not going to enforce those either? No, I, you know, I get it because I'm the one that... That's, that's all got, I'm saying because I, kind of, I, don't, I don't agree with all this, but it's it's rules are rules. So if you were doing that, you were knowingly doing that before NIL was passed, right? Yeah. So you know you knew what you were doing. So to now after the fact say, well, but now, but yeah, but at the time it wasn't. Even if it was a week before or two days before. It was a rule. So let him play, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, but... I can see the side of, okay, well, technically, it was what it was. And so, if you want rules, then you have to enforce those, or what's the point? Yeah, uh, uh, Cal and uh, TCU, quarterback Sam Jackson the fifth was at TCU, transferred to Cal, and they announced today he is their starting quarterback. Obviously, TCU's quarterback room was really good last year with Duggan taking over for uh, Morris. Morris, the starter this year, and so good for Sam Jackson. Uh, transferred to California, he will start in their opening game against North Texas up at Denton a week from, uh, I guess, Saturday. Good for him. Now, um, Garrett, I just sent you something. We'll use it in the next segment. Our Man, first guest is not until 4 o'clock. Those cow folks are going to love Denton, which you bet. <laughs> those cats, those rabid cow football fans. <laughs> I did, going to Denton, that's that's crazy. Um, that's it's. I don't know. I feel like it's that's like just down there. they had to play two games at home, and they played one game yeah, at Denton. Yeah, like a little two-for-one type yeah, I, of deal. I, I'm happy for North Texas. No, it's great. It's just it's. I just think of the kind of the cow, you know, the stereotype of the oh, area. Yeah. So just imagine them traveling to Denton uh, to play their opening football game. is just kind of funny. It's funny because that reminds me of a playoff game back in, like, golly, 2000-something when Highland Park – had to play Marshall in the state championship game. I, we discussed this with Matthew Stafford when he joined us, and they were furious that they had to drive to East Texas. And I did a commentary on it about, yeah, we have running, we have running water. There are porta potties, and even better. And then there's also electricity. And I got just crushed. The owner of the station at the time, and still is, said, "I'm going to get you're going to get fired for this." And I said, "Why?" He goes, "I'm not mad at you, but someone from Highland Park has enough money." To buy me out and then just to fire you. <laughs> and then go buy their way into the ACC years later. Yeah, so it's yeah, amazing exactly. how that all worked out. Yeah. It, is, it is wild. You know, I'm going to go back to Sam Jackson real quick. If I were in marketing at Cal, there would be so many Samuel L. Jackson movie quotes. Oh, God. Every time, like, he did something well, like, you know. Yes, I think they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, whatever. whatever you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Good for him. That's actually a transfer that wasn't going to start where he was. He went somewhere else for an opportunity, and he, he got his opportunity. And we've seen here recently where guys have transferred and still aren't starting somewhere. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a, a huge relief for him, and, and let's see what he can do. But TCU knows quarterback talent, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that he's going to do well for the Golden Bears. All right, so this is to close out yesterday's Brett Yormark. Texas Tech kickoff luncheon, it's still out there. There are still people like the, still the dumbest of all the tweets in the history of ever that he should be fired. Uh, Texas fans, most some of them are laughing over this. Some of them are saying, okay. Some of them are angry. Some are saying that the conference is set up now to lose. You know, we, We've seen all that. I even saw a couple of Texas Tech fans put up a graphic when they played Oklahoma last year uh, where they showed the number of penalties and like Tech had nine and Oklahoma had four. It is just a, a conspiracy theory. But here is Kim Coulter, who is an obvious hater. And he's on our chat room, and Kim's got a huge heart because of what he did for my brother's birthday too. But here are his golf balls. 
You know, you mark your balls. They have a, they have either Callaway or there's Titleist or whatever you might hit, Vice. And those are Kim's. So if you find that ball, those are Kim's balls. And if you're a Texas and Oklahoma fan, you now know where he stands. Yeah, I think they got blown way out of proportion. And the part that I don't like about it, as I mentioned yesterday, was that it just provides a built-in excuse now uh, for any loss. Oh, well, we got screwed. By- and, I mean, I know that's kind of – that's some fans anyways for any school. But now it's it's really driven up the, well, they're against us and they're out to get us type of deal where I don't really think that that's the case. I think it was very clearly a commissioner who wants to see the team that he's going to be the commissioner of for the foreseeable future beat the teams he's not going to be the commissioner of for the foreseeable future. So imagine that. He wants what's in the best interest for the conference that he runs. It's a crazy thought there. Um, but the whole firing thing is just so absurd because for a multitude of reasons, um, because for one, this isn't some billion-dollar corporation that's being run like just a regular old business. It's a, it's a college football conference. And while unprofessional, sure. Fireable offense, absolutely not. And by the way, the, the dumbest part of that is who's going to fire him? The schools that like him and love that he's helped grow them and keep them as strong as possible moving forward without the two that are on their way out, those schools are going to get together for the two schools who they clearly loathe and want nothing to do with anymore and vice versa. They're going to go fire this guy because he riled those two up? Like, make that make sense. That's the dumbest thing that they would ever think uh, or anybody would think that that would be some kind of a fireable offense. It's just very silly, but you can see where, and especially, you know, listening to the comments again, I just it really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, it, it really wasn't, but you know how social media can be. So uh, I get where, hey, maybe don't say that and you don't ruffle any feathers, but at the same time, that's kind of what he's there for is to ruffle feathers because for so long, Bob Bowlesby or Dan Beebe. whoever was too scared to do that. And so now somebody's doing it, and clearly it's it's not sitting well, but in a good kind of way uh, if you're a Big 12 fan. All right, by the way, conundrum, you put Kim Coulter's balls on the Internet? Yeah, we did. <laughs> Can, I, I just thought it would be a good way to kind of just let that I die. Just, it's not going to die. I, it's going to keep going. Now, the best thing is I for just Texas. just find it weird he had three of them. Yeah. <laughs> Usually, usually it goes the other way, right? <laughs> Everyone have fun with it. I know some will take it more serious than others, and uh, and that's fine, too. It's just college football. Thank God we'll have games to discuss here pretty soon. When we come back, more from the chat room. If you want to do a super chat, we appreciate it. We'll read those. Uh, Chris usually is one of the first and, of course, retired stockbroker. And many of you, we appreciate that. This is 365 Sports. Stonewood Dental, Robinson, Texas, Steve Childress, Dr. Steve Childress served our country, helped uh, do dental work for those who were serving and fighting for our country. He's been there, and now he's here in Waco, Texas, in Robinson, Texas, in the southeast part of Waco, and has Stonewood Dental. He's my dentist. He's the one that helped me clean up my act literally when it comes to dental hygiene. It's not just brushing your teeth and flossing. There's so much more to that. I have some terrible habits about loving sweet lozenges, And I mean, I would always have them in my mouth when I was doing a broadcast to kind of help soothe my throat. And eventually what it was doing was decaying uh, my teeth. And I, in fact, lost a couple of them and probably two or three others that have been beaten up with cavities and much more because I had a bad habit of liking to swallow or at least chew on lozenges. 
I thought it was helping my throat. It was ruining my dental work. So he's gone in there, replaced a couple of teeth just to my right front teeth, a couple of crowns in my lower right jaw, another crown that's in my back left jaw, upper part, and I also had a cavity, cavity handled about two or three weeks ago. He is fantastic at what he does. He has helped me understand staying ahead of the curve rather than playing catch-up. It's not fun to do. Stonewood Dental, my dentist, Dr. Steve Childress in Robinson, Texas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. During the Make This the Summer event, say big on a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited with $3,500 plus 2.9% for 72 months. Or a 2023 Jeep Gladiator Sport with employee pricing for all plus 1.9% for 72 months. And an extra $1,000 rebate. Or if that's not enough, get a 2023 Jeep Compass 10% off MSRP. That's right, and no payments for 90 days on all offers. Find the Jeep that fits you at Allen Samuels in Waco. The future's bright, the time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SI. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back with five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app. Banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Pioneer Steel and Pipe opened their doors in 1943 and they have never wavered with their focus on great product and customer service, relationships with a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. Their new facility is now twice the size, allowing new inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to the long lengths in tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat Pioneer Steel and Pipe now offers several shorter, more convenient lengths of material already cut. Their 2,500 square foot showroom has over a thousand new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creep, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional contractor or weekend warrior. The new facility is designed to make your loading experience faster and more efficient with easy drive lanes around the building and much more room to get your trailer loaded. Our location may have changed, but our values haven't, and our relationship with customers goes much farther than just business. Pioneer Steel and Pipe on Loop 340 and Highway 6 and just east of I-35 in Waco. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Sports. The 3 o'clock hour is sponsored by Waco Custom Marketplace. Meats, sweets, Texas treats, and a cut above the rest. 425 Lake Air Drive, Waco. Here we go, 365 Sports. We're about to jump into the chat room, which is always interesting. And we appreciate those of you who are in it. Also, those of you watching us who might not be in it. Also, if you don't mind, hit the like button and subscribe. 365 Sports on the verge of college football season beginning. This is a note that I got on direct message for all of us at 365 Sports from Cat. Thought this was really cool to send this. When I think about the summer of 23, I will remember morning workouts, intense heat, and listening to Realignment Talk on 365 Sports. Thanks for the memories. Oh, good. So thank, thank you very you. much, Cat, for reaching that. out to us. We, right. we appreciate yeah. that. I just got asked a question on Twitter about the ACC. That I will post to your guys, to, to your guys, to you guys. Okay. From Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Had a thought I wanted to share a while ago. Would it be the worst plan for the ACT to figure out how to get the teams who seemingly want in the SEC out now? And I told him, I said, I see where you're coming from. Like, make a plan for their exit if they don't want to be there anyway. Make the new league and, and send them out. But, A, that means you're going to lose your bigger brands. And, B... Those places don't, those schools don't have a place to go yet. So it's not like you could just say, oh, go ahead and, and leave now. The SEC is not sitting there telling them. Like, and there's, and of course, when you get into legal wrangling and money and all that, it benefits them not to just say, you know what? Write us a little check. No hard feelings. We understand. Go with God. You know, this doesn't make any, any sense for them. Why not let them go right now? Like, just, like, find a way, like, negotiate a way out for them if they don't want to be there long term. Yeah, because you're trying to survive. I mean, yeah. and, and you're hoping that, you know, you can keep them for as long as possible because that's where your money's coming from. So, yeah, that that just seems like it'd be incredibly complicated. Um, and, you know, yeah, first of all, the SEC would have to say, hey, we want these schools, and here's how that would work, and here's what that would take, and then who would that be, and then, like, how many are we talking? Are you losing a couple? Are you losing four? Are you losing six? I mean, that that would be really complicated to unpack, but, yeah, I just, I just don't think that that's in any way in the ACC's best interest. I mean, what leverage you had, you're – 
just basically giving away so you don't have to stress out for a couple of years. Mm. I don't know. I think the stress is worth it because you battle through the stress and it might end up with a much better situation having waited it out patiently and kind of gone through it as opposed to just like, we can't take this. We need to move on. Let's just burn it all down right now. Well, then all of a sudden you look up and it might have been satisfying initially, but, you know, less than a year later and you're like, well, where's the money coming from? And, you know, like, I guess you, I guess in this scenario you'd get some, some lump sum, but who's paying that? Like, where's that coming from? And so, yeah, there's just a, there's way too many questions there. Just, I don't think it'd be a prudent business move for the ACC, given that they're in control right now. You yeah. Relinquish no, they're control playing, for they're no playing reason. from a power position. Huh? They're, they, they're, they're playing from a nice poker. Right. Yeah. They have a good poker hand. Yeah. They don't, they don't need to be the one to, to flip out and, and panic and, and make a panic move. So um, yeah, it'd be nice to just have, no distractions, and you can move forward that way for sure. We'd all love that, but I think in this case, the distractions still are in their court in a positive way. So yeah, it's not on it's not on them to to you know make a move to you know cease everybody else's stress. David Floyd, does the ACC get pro rata for adding G five schools like SMU? Uh, they get pro rata for what they can get when it comes to autonomy five schools, but I think it's very no. similar to the Big Twelve with what BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. When the Big 12's getting on average that 30-whatever-it-was, uh, they're going to get $18 million this year, $19 million the next year, uh, uh, and then they kick it all in. It starts to kick in uh, the year after the four schools join. And, and that was something we talked to Mac about. We got a little bit confused. I did on that. So they do not get a full share, uh, Brigham Young, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF this first year. And I mean, SMU wouldn't either. Yeah, no, they, they wouldn't. No, if, even if they're getting cash, right? They're just it's a simple. It's just yeah. no, they're not. They're not a, an additive addition in that way. So, um, you know, that's why they're offering to not receive any money for seven years. I mean, what does the ACC even look like in seven years? I mean, and what what money where they'll be then? I mean, if you're thinking about. Okay, well then, you know, this conference, the way it is right now, in seven years, that'll be worth this. Well, who's going to be in it? I mean, that could be a, a conference with no Florida State, with no Miami, with no North Carolina, with no Clemson. I mean, how much is that going to be worth? So, um, but yeah, I mean, to answer the question, quite simply, uh, uh, no. And it was worked out, as you explained, with the Big 12 in kind of a group scenario yeah. as opposed to a singular institution being this. It was more of like the collective was was uh, the, the kind of the package deal there for the first four. The first four, the first two years, will get a partial share. $18 million, then I think it jumps to about $19 million. And then that first year that the uh, four Pac-12 schools get, get a full share because of the fact that that was a pro rata with being a power five. And then in 25-26, everybody will be the same share. From Tim Salinas, Tim, thank you very much. And I thought, I think Tim uh, reached out to me on Twitter last night. Is it me or does it seem like Urban Meyer wants a job? Swamp felt like it had a hidden agenda. Uh, we've discussed Johnny Manziel, which I thought was really good. It seems like now some of these uh, series, these documentaries are being a little bit less edgy as than, than they should be. Uh, it is obvious to me that Urban Meyer, and you're not allowed to talk about it because I know you hate him. Oh, no, I've, I've actually but, seen it. But, yeah, no, I know. I'm kidding. But it, it does appear as if he had some editorial decision-making on this documentary, uh, in the series, because it doesn't does not tell enough of the stories. Well, he clearly picked also who the players were that were going to be in it, and they were all Urban Meyer guys, which is – you know, if this is the Urban Meyer produced documentary, then then that shouldn't be su- surprising. But untold, their first wave of stuff, they had a one about a hockey team that was run by a mobster's son, 
in New Jersey that was one of the most riveting things I've ever watched on Netflix. It was so good. It was so well-produced. It was wild to hear the stories. And that didn't pull any punches. And that included in interviewing the mobster about crimes he committed. So this same group, you know, is only telling urban side of the story. And I don't think that that's necessarily good storytelling when it comes to, it's not complete storytelling when it comes to the Swamp Kings thing. Now, what I will say is I am, even though I, I should admit this because people will come at me for it, but I'm enjoying hearing Tim Tebow's part of it because it is, it is interesting. It is, um, you know, uh, it is just the football stuff. And I'm, I'm very interested to hear, you know, along how it was. It is also very clear to me that Urban Meyer, even though this guy was the starter at quarterback of his first national championship team, didn't want Chris Leak anywhere near this thing. And I have no idea why. Because the way they talk about him is very politically and, and respectful. But you can tell he was just irritated that he had to put up with Chris Leak until Tim Tebow got there. So it's all like there's just stuff missing from it. Uh, look, Cam Newton's not. There's two more episodes I haven't seen yet. Cam Newton's not in it. To me, that's a really interesting story that he was one of the guys who got kicked off the team, and it was because he stole someone's laptop, and some of the other guys didn't kick, get kicked off the team for crimes that were far beyond laptop theft. Yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, it does appear that maybe he's trying to – Urban Meyer can get a job if he wants it. He's done that before, no matter what's happened at Florida. He could get a job now, no matter what happened at Ohio State. He's he's he people. He's going to win. He is going to win, and so someone would will hire him uh, if that opportunity arises. Yeah, and uh, he's got to be interested in doing it as well. He's not just going to go pick up the whistle for anybody, right? So uh, he's in a nice situation where there's clearly a segment of people that really like him, no matter what. I mean, he's he's a draw, and I don't get it personally. I, I did never really have. I mean, as far as you know, being a terrific football coach, sure, but the allure of him, I just, I've never been attracted in, in that way. Like, uh, clearly, you know, lots of people are that are, you know, Urban Meyer fans or just find him interesting. Um, but I haven't watched it in full yet and just kind of disappointed that it's sort of becoming a recurring theme, like with the Johnny thing. And now with this, it's like the, the trailer makes you think like all the dirty stuff's coming out. And then you get there and it's like, this was co-produced by Urban Meyer and co-produced by Johnny Manziel, basically. And so it's not quite as salacious as you would think. Cool to see uh, Baylor wide receiver coach Dallas Baker uh, in the uh, documentary. He was featured, and uh, you know he's been a fun guy to watch these uh, last, I guess, his last season and about to enter his second season, I believe. I think I'm right on that, at Baylor. Um, but it's cool to see him a part of that. But, yeah, I need to, I need to finish it, but it's not as – not as much of a sizzle as maybe you thought when, you know, those trailers first dropped on what all they'd be covering, and you're like, oh, man, and now you've seen a couple of them, and you're like, yeah, "Eh, yeah, that's cool, it's whatever. And the thing is, is if it really was down deep and good, juicy stuff, and some of it's going to be bad, every football team has their stories, it would be so much more popular. It would also have a longer life shelf. Uh, From Matthew Meeks, Texas fans are mad at your mark because he's treating them like they're just another school, they should get used to that as they're going to be that way. He said punching bag. I don't think they will be, but a punching bag with the SEC. Uh, you know, again, we don't know what's going to happen once they join a conference because both Oklahoma and Texas 
have the history of at least they're going to be getting great recruits. The question is, can they win and can they sustain it when the schedule does seem like it's going to be more of an uptick with higher level schools, although there's also a little bit maybe softer underbelly in the SEC. And I think they're smart enough to understand the trade-off here that they're not going to be able to just wheel and deal like it seemed at least when they were in the Big 12 and pretty much do whatever they wanted or, you know, push certain things in their direction or bully others maybe in some cases is is probably how it felt or came across. But I think they're smart enough to realize they're not going to walk into the new room and and be able to do that. And you know what? The trade-off is all that extra money, the prestige of that conference, the matchups, and all that trickles out from that, like your stadium attendance now that LSU is rolling into town and two weeks later it's – South Carolina as opposed to what it has been. So I think they understand that. You know, you do wonder when they might rattle the cage at some point over some issue, but I think they're going to be on their best behavior because the trade-offs are, are well worth not having the, the big stick and being the, the predominant program like they uh, portrayed themselves or were in some cases in the Big 12. Well, they were the ones that uh, when they sat down at the, at, the, at the conference table that they felt like that they were the ones that should be heard first and last and – and, they, and the conference will let them do that for the longest of times. By the way, uh, wouldn't it be great, and I know the alliance being the second year anniversary, that was supposed to be one of the ideas. It's, it's hard to do, but wouldn't it be great if conferences, like in basketball, had the one weekend where they all played each other? I, I, I know, you know what I'm saying? Like in basketball, you have the SEC or the Big East, Big 12 Challenge, you know, challenge or whatever. It would be great if you could do that in college football where one weekend, everybody from one, let's say there's 14 teams, they all play each other. I know you can't set that up because of non-conference schedules, but it would be nice just to see that maybe some conference maybe surprises people when they go eight and four or 10 and two or whatever. It's it's weird that you uh, bring that up on the two-year anniversary of the Alliance because that was supposed to be the point. Yes, exactly. So you're going to have those kind of weekends where you had that. And and, and oh, by the way, if you're a conference, it always feels like you're maybe not getting enough attention and you then have a chance to play, whether it's against the SEC or the Big Ten or whoever, and you get bloodied, then then you get bloodied. And, And at least you would know, though, and I think you would at least respect the opportunity. Yeah, that, that was the other thing you think about the alliance. The first question from people was, oh, so you guys are going to play each other. Like, that's part of the plan scheduling. All right, when do you do that? We don't know yet. How long's the agreement? Oh, well, there's nothing on paper yet. Sure, it's just no a details, hand, man. It's, it's just a handshake agreement between the three of us. Like, okay. Good deal. Yeah, it was kind of like, so you just agreed to agree on eventually agreeing on some things that you'll do together, but no details other than that, really. You're engaged to be engaged. Sounds rock solid. Who? Kevin Warren was the guy, right, in that thing that just ripped that thing to shreds and and, and when they went after USC and also with UCLA. I mean, this was a COVID period, right? So, you know, they were of like minds in in some ways there, um, you know, particularly the Pac-12 with not rushing back or, you know, you know, it could be argued whether rushing back, or you know what I'm saying yeah, there, though, yeah. um, or whether I should even play for an entire year. And, and we know how all that worked out. But yeah, I mean, he he was the one that at the very least was like the figurehead of the whole yeah, idea yeah. and the whole uh, situation who, you know, then turned around and immediately went and grabbed the two L.A. schools. He did this. Um, yeah, right after right basically that. securing that. So, you know, that's where he became quite infamous in the whole ordeal. And by the way, I've got a couple DMs now over this ACC thing. I thought – 
Paul, you might know a bit better, but I thought that it wasn't... We're going to need some clarification from Nicole Auerbach on this whole pro rata thing with an SMU because I'm getting conflicting signals now. My DMs are like, no, actually, their deal is this, and it's confusing because of the Big 12s is one way and the ACCs is a different way, so I... I don't know if what I said was accurate. I don't know about the pro rata now at this well, point. Well, you know I, I do sure? know this. The Big 12 and the ACC, the grant of rights deal, the way they wrote it up, despite the difference in lengths, was basically copied and pasted by the ACC. But as far as the, the pro rata or whatever else, we'll have to wait. With and I'll SMU. try to get an answer before that. Yeah, well, on, yeah on a well, group of five schools. Yeah, I just want to because we don't want to pass on bad information, and I'm, I don't mind stopping down and pointing out when I may not be right, which is not what you're supposed to do, but... It's kind of how I am anyway, so I just want to be accurate. But, and so I'd just like it to be that I know for sure what's going on. And, and it gets very confusing when you start getting into the weeds of who says, that, hey, this is how it works, no, wait, this is how it works, and it's just a lot to sort through. So if somebody could clarify on what actually is what with SMU and what kind of addition, what we do know is whether they're pro rat or not, they're not taking money for seven years. So it's not as though they're coming in with that full share. That we, we obviously know, but how it affects the others, I, I, I guess I need more clarification. Well, get answers to that pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, right. I, I would we, think they would only, if, if a team's going to come in for free, they're coming in for free, but the money that they would get, whatever it's it is, if it's, if it's $8 or $8 million right. or $80 million, it's going to be distributed around distributed. Every, the rest of the league. All right, when we come back, Max Olsen, maybe he can give us a glimpse on that. Max Olsen, this is 365 Sports. The city of Woodway, they have a lot of events coming up. Every single month, you can go to discoverwoodway.com. And by the way, if you're traveling into Waco for any of the eight Baylor football games and you have not yet found a hotel or haven't even thought about it but you're coming in town I'm sure you probably have but if you can't find one the city of Waco has a handful of hotels for you to look at Spring Hill Suites, Staybridge Suites, Extend Stay America, Fairfield Inn and Suites, La Quinta Inn, Best Western, Motel 6, uh, we'll leave the light on. All of that available, plus incredible, fantastic opportunities with different events that they have throughout the year when it comes to everything that may even be down the road. They have a Halloween deal that they have coming up. But right now, coming up on September the 9th, 6 until nine, uh, six until 8 o'clock, the Woodway Wine and Food Fest, a night in Italy as they flash back to a night in Italy, so enjoy that. The Woodway Farmers Markets, every month, including the one coming up September 17th, and the Father-Son Cookout, which will be great, a first annual cookout, father-and-son cookout, granddads too, October the 21st, plus much more. It's the City of Woodway at discoverwoodway.com. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Riverbend Liquor and Wine now has two locations to serve you. The original on Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street and the brand new spot in downtown Waco at 600 Franklin Avenue. If you're looking for the best in craft beers or local Texas bourbons, then the original is the place to be. And for the latest trends and online phenomenons, head downtown to the Franklin location. Either way, you're going to get the same great variety, customer service, and speedy experience. Check out both locations on their Facebook and Instagram pages. And if you can't make it to Riverbend, DoorDash is available to bring it to you. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now downtown on Franklin Avenue. 
Do you or your kids get nervous about going to the dentist? Stonewood Dental. Dr. Steve Childress, he can help. I've spent a career taking care of patients who, as children, had bad experiences. And now they're adults that hate going to the dentist. If I get a kid at three years old and they come every six months and it's a happy experience, it's normal for them. Now they have an accident at six or seven or eight at school. Now they have a broken tooth or a trauma. And they have to come here. They're used to lights. They're used to water in their mouth. They're used to experience. They already trust us. It's amazing what we can do with that kid without it being a negative thing. But if I see a six or seven or eight-year-old that's never been to the dentist, and now they have a trauma or an unfortunate, unexpected toothache, it's harder to do that for that kid and it not be somewhat of a negative experience. So bottom line is I try to teach kids and adults and teenagers and everybody the way I'd want my family treated, which is where it's a necessary part of life. You just take care of it. It doesn't have to be that big a deal. Learn more. Stonewood-Dental.com. Johnson Realtors guide you seamlessly through the process of buying your dream home or selling your current one. Commercial, farm and ranch or residential, Camille Johnson Realtors can smoothly and successfully lead you through any transaction. With a team of 28 experienced agents who are excited about serving you, Camille Johnson Realtors services the entire greater Waco area. If you're in the market to buy or sell, contact Camille Johnson Realtors 104 Midway Center in Woodway or find them online at www.camillejohnson.com. Camille Johnson Realtors, elegant, charming, Welcome home. Stepping into a new pair of boots is great, but stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can also add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. There are more than 150 occupational specialties to help them find the best fit for their future. See all the things your son or daughter can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Enjoying the show? Hit the like button and subscribe. Thank goodness there are games in college football. There's been so much else to discuss, and it's been... Invigorating or sometimes stunning what we've seen when it comes to realignment and additions and much more. Max Olson, the athletic.com senior college football writer. Max, we were asking this question on the show. Have you heard on the additions of the ACC if, in fact, they are? And even SMU, would they get a tier one full share like California, Stanford, no matter what they decide to give up going into it? You mean eventually, like down the road? Well, like, for example, if the pro rata kicks in immediately, whenever that is in 24, would the networks be paying Cal Stanford and SMU full shares, even though they're going to set, they're going to give up some of that and give back to the ACC? Yeah, you know, it's, it's a good question. I, and I think that is, um, and I, I've seen Ross Dellinger and others have, have done a good job of playing this out, that I guess that is ultimately the upside here is if the ACC can get ESPN to fork over uh, more money on a pro rata basis, then the question becomes, obviously, SMU is volunteering to not take any money and to um, fund themselves for an extended period of time in that league if they can get into the club. Uh, but, the, yeah, then the question is, what is kind of the minimum amount that you could you could uh, fund Cal and Stanford at um, in the near future here before eventually bringing them up to a full share? And then can you take that money and distribute it to um, – you know, to the to the rest of the conference, can can you kind of make the case for the the especially the schools that 
Um, but asking about the grant of rights and things like that, that uh, adding them ultimately can be financially beneficial for the rest. I think that accounting is, is uh, bottom line. Uh, that, that is the reason these conversations are still going on. Max, what I don't understand, or I'm, I'm failing to get here, um, at least on this, is can you get enough money among the schools that are up, that are threatening to leave or unhappy about the grant of rights to keep them happy? And if you can, how much money would be really left over for the ones who just want to keep the league together? Right, and, and ultimately this, these go back to the conversations in the spring about okay, well, let's, let's kind of have a little bit more performance-based revenue sharing and stuff like that. But ultimately, we're, we're not talking about a huge sum of money. And, and, and as we've heard from Florida State, clearly the concern is, is the broader gap between them and the SEC. And, and this kind of money we're talking about bringing in to add, um, you know, to add uh, the, the, pack, the two Pac-12 schools, like, yeah, and, and FB ultimately – that's not that you know if you're dis- distributing it fairly or whatever based on performance that's still not like making much of a dent in that gap really so yeah i mean it, it feels like more of a short term like let's try to placate people and stuff and, and then you know certainly we will find out if the reality of if they go through with this of uh, having to make these bay area trips and stuff like that having to play out in dallas is that something that actually uh people view as beneficial over time too Max, do you think or, or do you get the sense that this is something that will be resolved before full kickoff next week, or do you think this is something that drags out longer than that potentially? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wish. I wish. I hope. Yeah, it would nice. be great to just have this. I'm, I'm sure we'd all, you know, it's given you guys lots of hours of stuff to talk about. But, yeah, clearly it'd be, it would be nice to uh, to have this stuff uh, wrapped up. Certainly, though, I, I think between that and then what happens with Oregon State and Washington State and what are the moves and the positioning that the, that the Mountain West and the American can make here. Um, yeah, certainly this is going to, it looks like this is going to drag into the season a little bit, but hey, it was that way in the, in 2021. I remember um, covering the, the, you know, the, the Friday Zoom press conferences to introduce the four new members of the Big 12 and then having to get in the car and, and, and drive out to Iowa to go cover uh, Iowa, Iowa State the next day. So it, it's similar to that. It does feel like it's going to kind of bleed into this, uh, into the September here a little bit. Max, who will be this year's 2021 Baylor and 2022 TCU slash Kansas State in the Big 12? In the Big 12. I, you know, I, I, I struggle with that. We were just working on, uh, you know, we're, we're as a staff, we were just putting uh, together our playoff picks um, for, for our preseason content. And, like, I really struggled to figure out who's the TCU in the, in the Cincinnati this year, like the wild card playoff team. It's, it's tough to – like figure that out and, and especially on the big 12 side like i don't know guys i think everyone's talking about Texas tech at this point right there's no there's no element of surprise there anymore and certainly you know with the oregon game in week two there they've got a pretty big spotlight right away to kind of go out and prove it so yeah i don't i mean it does feel like texas tech kind of has a chance to be that team that has a chance to go you know possibly Win nine, ten games, be in the mix for for the conference uh, conference race here into November. Certainly, that that Texas game at the end will be super interesting if they're both <laughs> vying for a spot in Arlington. Uh, that game in Austin, but I I don't know. I think Kansas is going to be in the mix. I think Baylor we're all kind of still sleeping on generally. I think TCU probably is not going to fall off as hard as people think. There's there's certainly and and there's still I kind of lean today. I kind of still lean 
toward Kansas State winning the conference. So I think there's lots of lots of teams at this point that probably think they're going to win eight plus games, and uh, and, and <laughs> it's hard to see maybe a playoff team from that list. But um, shoot, I mean Oklahoma could be the one too. I, I don't know, guys. I still haven't really put my finger on it. Uh, Max, you wrote an article with Bruce Feldman about the 100 transfers. You had Sam Hartman at number one. Uh, how much of a like a jump does he alone give give Notre Dame that has been under Brian Kelly and now under Marcus Friedman for going into a second year, recruiting really well, but quarterback was always kind of nebulous for them? Yeah, I, I think that there's certainly a belief among, among their staff that um, – you know, the, the, this can get them, at least in terms of quarterback performance, that, that Sam Hartman can get them back to the high level of play they, they got from Ian Book, who, who took him to two playoffs. I think that he's that kind of a player that can kind of elevate everybody around him. He's fit in super well with this team, I think has a, has a chance to be really the terrific leader that they need. And he can really, you know, p- put the ball all over the field. I think there's a good enough supporting cast there that, uh, that Notre Dame's going to be um, pretty dangerous. And, and I think there's you know, it, it, it's clear from the conversations we've had that there's some really good quarterbacks in this transfer cycle, but maybe not as as experienced and impactful as Sam Hartman. Um, interested to see how much he can raise the bar for Notre Dame, a, a team that, uh, you know, certainly is trying to take a big step in year two. Man, just going through this list, I mean, there's so many intriguing storylines, but uh, at number seven, our guy, Tanner Mordecai, who we covered here mm-hmm. during his high school days and have, have kept up with. How intrigued are you ago. by? Yeah. yeah. How yeah. intrigued are you by the, this Wisconsin, you know, start uh, with Luke Fickle and the air raid and Phil Longo and Tanner Mordecai and just the, the whole works there? Yeah, I, I think that uh, Wisconsin does feel like kind of one of those, those sleeper teams this year. If they can put all the pieces together, I, th- I think that. Um, you know, Tanner Mordecai, you, you couldn't have found a better guy if you're Wisconsin in terms of uh, trying to make this offensive transition under Phil Longo because there's a lot of crossover in terms of what Tanner Mordecai learned under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma and what he learned in his, his two years as a starter at SMU offensively with what Wisconsin wants to do. And so he was really the perfect guy at the perfect time for them to not only come in and, and be a leader and be a dude that everybody rallies behind, but one who truly does like understand the concepts offensively can pick it up and, and operate at a high level. And, and that's, that's the biggest thing with Phil Longo is just, can you kind of fully understand the system and know how to play within it? Because it is pretty simple and it's just a ton of reps. And I think he's been a really good fit for them. You know, they really had to rebuild that receiving core um, through the transfer portal. I think they feel like they got some, some good ones um, like green from, from Oklahoma state and Will Pauling and, I, you know, they've obviously got one of the best backs in the country in Braylon Allen to kind of build around. And I do think that, you know, what we've seen from Phil Longo when he's in North Carolina is that when you've got NFL backs, like he know, he'll play to that strength, um, like he did with Javante Williams and Michael Carter. So it's going to be, I think, a really interesting offense to watch and, and one that if it clicks could be, you know, a really high scoring unit that, uh, it's just very, it's going to be jarring to kind of see. It's going to be very different, um, you know, ideologically from, from what they've been, but, um, I think they feel like uh, with Tanner Mordecai as the trigger man, um, they've got the right kind of pieces coming together. Here. I just can't wait to see them run it in four inches of snow in late November in Madison. 
and try to yeah. keep the pay. Like it's not just about spreading it out and throwing the ball around and and wide splits and all that. It's about being able to move at the breakneck speed of you know it's about ten to fifteen seconds between you know the the time they set the ball and you snap it when it is the weather's like that. I, I'm curious to see how they they pivot to it. Um, we saw here when you know. Baylor played in cold weather. Uh, they were they were just kind of stuck. But I, that's the only thing I'm curious yeah. about. But I'm happy to see the offense in the Big Ten. I think it'll be really, really interesting. Yeah, and, and certainly Smokey can attest. We saw it in Nebraska came in and said they could kind of change how the Big Ten uh, did things offensively. And, and they found that, no, actually, when it gets cold and it gets tough, um, you know, you've got to be able to run the ball and, and be really physically tough. And you can't just outspeed people. So, you're right. Like there is going to have to still be that physical element. They still need to recruit and develop offensive linemen like they have at Wisconsin, um, who can just be these big, massive dudes who can move people around. Um, I, you know, but I think that Luke Fickle, you, you know, they lost they lost a good amount to the portal. Um, they added up quite a bit. Um, I, 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 I'm not saying Wisconsin is going to have a, a monster year in year one with Fickle, but um, certainly Longo was a really interesting choice for the OC job. And a guy who's trying to move up and get get head jobs and stuff like that, and so I think he's got a lot to prove this year. Max, I saw a video of Matt Rule uh, coaching up Nebraska a day or two ago. It was just it's cool mm-hmm. to see uh, you know him you know doing his thing out there, and and I know this is kind of a a year where I don't think there are any great expectations. I think there's an understanding of it's year number one, but. Jeff Sims certainly looks the part. What has been some of the early intel just on their offense, how that's coming together, and Jeff Sims as quarterback in particular? Yeah, the, this coaching staff really has a ton of belief in, in Jeff Sims, and Matt Rule has said from, from the start when they picked him up that they felt like he's an NFL player. He's a you know big 6'4", dual-threat um, quarterback who um, I, I think can give them a, a lot. Of, in the run game, he's rushed for over – 1500 yards in his career at Georgia Tech um you know when you take out sacks and you know last two years have been, been banged up and has only been play, able to play six seven games but in each of those seasons but I think they just feel like man he's he's absolutely what they needed to kind of start building that culture this year you know around him um they've got they've got a few backs that they think can play the receiver group's a little bit of a question mark the offensive line was was brutal last year and, and needs to be much improved um, but, you know, I think Nebraska's going to get some really good challenges early. You know, they open with Minnesota next Thursday. They've got Colorado. They've got Michigan, I think, for their fifth game. I, I, I think it's, you know, we're going to find out pretty quick, are these guys kind of buying in and, and do they have enough to be more competitive? Uh, but you're right. You watch the videos and you can clearly see Matt Rule is, is back in his element, you know, coaching up college kids like he's meant to. And, um, you know, I think that I think there's a lot of positive signs in terms of which way this is trending so far. Yeah, and his his uh, his trend was to not do well the first year at Temple, and absolutely not do yeah. well at Baylor. And there were actually some that thought that by doing that, you lower the bar and then maybe take a little pressure off when you're going to increase who you are. Doesn't it all come down to what the quarterback play is going to be with Sims? Because they've had spotty quarterback play, even though Martinez could be dynamic. And at times, Casey Thompson could throw it all over the place. They just haven't had somebody they could truly rely on that's more of a workman-like guy. Yeah, I mean, certainly the the, the record for Nebraska this year is, is going to heavily depend on, you know, can you get 12 games out of Jeff Sims? And you know, he's dealt with a bunch of injuries the last two years. And, you know, it's not to say that the guys behind him, Chava Purdy and Heinrich Harburg, are, are awful, but they're certainly very unproven. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, the, the rushing ability of Jeff Sims, especially to kind of get them out of trouble, get, make plays on third downs, things like that, 
think that's going to be really important for them offensively in terms of moving the ball. You hope that doesn't um, mean put him in too much danger. Certainly, saw Casey Thompson took a lot of hits last year behind the behind a bad O line and and uh, you know missed a bunch of games. And so, um, yeah, the the ability to keep him healthy um, is, uh, is is going to be critical here. But I think they feel like they're starting off in a little bit better position here at quarterback. You know, than 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 you did year one. You think back to you know starting uh, a new Solomon and, and and a very young Charlie Brewer. Max, thank you very much as always. Glad you're feeling better. Can't wait. The season's here. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. Max Olson, the athletic with us on 365 Sports. Nicole Arbach in about an hour on the ACC. And I do have clarification on the question about full shares or not. Based on what Ross Dellinger reported, and and even Max uh, did mention that, the ACC's television contract with ESPN includes pro rata clause, requiring the network to increase the value of the deal by one tier one share for every new member, believed to be about $24 million a share or about 70% of a full ACC share, which includes tiers one, two, and three. Those are the different media levels of revenue. The ACC would stand to earn $72 million in new money with the three expansion shares. Cal Stanford have agreed to take about 30% of the $24 million or roughly 7 to $10 million a year. After Cal Stanford's share and travel costs are offset, roughly $1 to $2 million a school, the ACC stands to earn at least $30 million in revenue redistributed, likely through an incentive pool based on athletic successes. Yeah, I saw you uh, retweet Ross's article. I didn't see that uh, yesterday. Um, I didn't either. But it, I think what makes it confusing is there's just a lot of like little tweaks. Like it's it's pro rata, yes, just to answer that question, right? But is it the full share? No, no it's not. But it's pro rata and it's additive, yeah. and yes, even for SMU, that's the bottom line. Is yes, they they would bring more money in for each one of those teams. It's just. When you start getting to the the depths of it, it's like, but it's seventy percent. It's not one hundred, and you know, blah blah and, and blah. And then again, it's not seventy two million that will be distributed to the current ACC teams. It's seventy two million minus what you would pay Cal Stanford at a seventy percent discount. Then on top of that, some travel cost. Even though SMU wants nothing, you're probably in the neighborhood. It says of at least thirty million in revenue to redistribute. So it's not seventy two million. Three shares, but not full pro rata shares, tier one shares, about 70% of that. So to get, like, just say one school of Florida State and Clemson wanted to leave. If it's just one of them, you have to give them all of it to convince them that to stay, Probably which you're not going to do. If you're going to make an close impact the gap, that right? Right. So that's that's where, you know, and, and again, if there's $30 million in new money, even if I agree that I'm going to give a little bit more to somebody else. If I'm Boston College or Wake Forest or Syracuse or anybody, I at least want some of it. Sure you do. I mean, you're you're earning it. Otherwise, you're going to be in position where others have more clout because of their logo and tradition and their money and revenue. And then you're in a position where you have people who say the next time that Florida State wants to raise their leg. If you let them do it now, not that they don't have a little clout, if you let them do that now, you're going to have to let them do that again. And the next thing you know, you're going to have a power structure that's just kind of not really very healthy. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't in in some ways, right? But uh, that's why I circle back to what I said at the start of, I wonder if you just kind of throw your hands up and you go, hey, we're going to lose them eventually anyways, whether it's, you know, five years or ten years, we might as well set ourselves up ahead of time to do the best that we can right now 
And then who knows what happens in the future. But, hey, let's bring in these new schools. Let's bring in the state of Texas in our footprint. Let's bring in the state of California in our footprint. Let's bring in all these other sports that, you know, don't really register as far as the TV deals go. But, um, you know, and then, hey, if we lose those schools down the line, at least we have Cal, Stanford, you know, I guess you, yep. you've already added them as opposed to you lose them eventually and then you go try to grab whoever's available. So I can kind of see that. It still does feel very much like trying to keep a building together with scotch tape, though, and something that is not going to last the, the test of time. But, I mean, you need to do it first. You need to pull the trigger, which is not something they've done yet. But thank you for the clarification because it all gets very confusing on – you start talking pro rata shares and things like that. But, but yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's good to have clarification and know that, yeah, they'd all be bringing uh, – something to the table. Well, you were right, and yet part of it could have been a little bit better explained, but but I did not see the Dellinger story either, but I'm glad that somebody referred to it. I went to look at it. T.J. Scott in the chat room. A month from now, there will be a whole lot more clarity. Does TCU beat Colorado? Does Texas beat Alabama? Tech at Oregon? Baylor, yes, Utah? No, yes. What <laughs> happens in the Baylor-Texas game in week four? At what I said, there's a lot of trash talking, which is the chat room, and a lot of people also educating and learning something, I have a lot, uh, is that what will happen is the uh, amount of trash talk will either increase for some, it will decrease for a few others, and it might go silent for a few others, and then it'll start back up again. And that's why I just can't wait to see the damn scores. Yeah, everybody can brag right now, really. I mean, everybody can throw out whatever prediction they want to, but, yeah, eventually receipts are going to come due uh, and uh, bills are going to come due and, and all that good stuff here in – you know, for some in a matter of, what, a couple days. Uh, but, yeah, especially here in a little over a week. And I, and I can't wait either. I mean, the off season is a season unto itself. Um, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of empty hype in some cases. Uh, but you don't quite know which is which just yet. Um, you know, is TCU uh, capable of, of just revving it back up and having a, a similar type of run this year? Probably not to the extent that they were, but is Texas for real? Is Michigan really the best team in the country? Is Alabama really down? Is you know all, is Clemson still running the ACC, or is it Florida State's time now again? Um, I just, yeah, I'm, I think the one thing you can bank on, Georgia's going to be really, really good. <laughs> They're going to be right in the mix, and beyond that, I have no, no earthly idea, but I, I do know that one part, and even still, you wonder, can they go unbeaten again? You know, with that schedule... You say yes, but is there just a chance that somebody jumps up and bites them? Um, you know, it's college football, so any given Saturday that could happen, and I, I cannot wait to see what those real storylines are going to be. There's, la- there's launching pad-type games early, and most of them come in week two after people have played a, couple of ga- played a game, gotten kind of the kinks ironed out. But my goodness, there are some showdowns in week two, and the Big 12's in the middle of a lot of them. It will be fun to watch. What happens? Just get me to the LSU-FSU game, and Garrett and I can move past this tension that's between us. Oh, yeah. That's building. You know, he's he's still mad about last year. That was a fluke. <laughs> it was totally. You know what's great about that? It was a little that? bit of it was totally. It, it launched Notre Dame because Brian Kelly was still the, not the unknown. Right. People know what he's done. But there was this little bit of, like, scoffing at him. But they came back and had a hell of a year. Yeah. Beating Alabama uh, and and being who they were for Florida State, it launched them into a double-digit win season. And they've needed that because it's been well, a while. I, I think it flipped the narrative on both coaches. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for Brian Kelly, any doubts about 
you know, can he go down south and get it done? And you have like the embarrassing kind of, you know, the accent thing and just little stupid stuff like that. But yeah, he very quickly erased any sort of doubts, um, you know, and, and now to the point of you're, you're not doubting anything. You're expecting them to be really good. And I think there's just a – I think there's already a great appreciation for what a head coach he was, but I think even more so now after that first year at LSU, everybody, okay, like, yeah, that dude's that dude's amongst the best out there. And then, you know, Mike Norvell, I mean, I, I don't know that everybody was just convinced when he came over from Memphis that that was like the answer to Florida State's prayers, but it appears that it is. I mean, Paul, I don't know if you were 100% just sold right away on him, but – um, any doubters, I think that that's dissipated pretty quickly as well. So that, that game was huge for both. It showed Florida State's not back, but they were in the mix and they were mm-hmm. competitive with the best again. And LSU obviously better than expected. Oh. So yeah. Oh, if he can turn the corner and beat the teams of the conference that he has been able to beat, which Clemson and Wake Forest and last year NC State, like if he can start beating the teams that are that are at the that have been at the top of the conference the last six years, then yes, especially if you can beat Clemson, then yeah, I'm a believer. Like I'm I'm pretty much in the believer camp. They're recruiting really well right now. He clearly has has mastered the transfer portal uh, to whatever end you want to say how he has, but they are getting tra- like they are getting transfers. Um, and by the way, uh, I've reached out on that. So, okay, all right, uh, work working on that right now. But at least it's not dropping completely. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm a believer. I, I think that they're moving in the right direction. The problem is, is that the administration and everybody else by saying like, "Hey, we're this big draw. We're Florida State. We're this," has put pressure on him that maybe he doesn't need right now. Just let them get back to where they were before you start. Well, Pointing the comments who you by were. the president and the yeah. AD should have none, but it can put a little bit more heat. Maybe a few other people get they still get fired up to play Florida State anyway. But it, it is it kind of adds to it. Who knows? All right, we're not done. Taylor McCark from ESPN. He will join us next. Now he last week and well, we'll he was very high on Texas. He is still very high on Texas. A lot of people are, but he wants to kind of. Jump back into that because he was hammered by some Big 12 fans. This is 365 Sports. Pioneer Steel and Pipe. Opened their doors in 1943. Never wavered with their focus on great product, customer service, relationships, a handshake, making sure you, the customer, is satisfied. The facility now twice the size of the old one, allowing more inventory, higher quantities, and in a much more organized fashion. In addition to long lengths and tubing, angles, channels, rods, and flat, Pioneer Steel and Pipe offering new, shorter lengths, more convenient lengths of material that's already cut. 2,500-square-foot showroom has over 1,000 new products in stock, new welding supplies, hardware, quick creek, and do-it-yourself components for any project, whether you are a professional, contractor, or a weekend warrior. Facility designed to make your loading experience faster, more efficient, Easy drive lanes around the building, much more room to get your trailer loaded. Pioneer Steel and Pipe, just a little bit east of I-35 if you're coming in uh, from north or south on Loop 340, Highway 6, PioneerBoys.com. Trust. Average your car in Waco, Texas. 
Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house. When you order from Texas Beef House, unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick'em sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy. Raise your cholesterol and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits. Compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. 365 Sports, David Smoke, Paul Catalina, Craig Smoke, Garrett Ross, is running the mothership as the director and the producer. Uh, and again, we appreciate everybody for being a part of the show today whenever you can be, including our guest, Taylor McCarg, former Rice quarterback and college football analyst, joins us. And Taylor uh, texts Paul, texts me, 
uh, with his comments last week about Texas and the rest of the Big 12. I guess you found out that we do have an audience, right, Taylor? Oh, I knew you guys had an audience, man. I got cooked all week for saying it was going to be a, a, a – I don't remember exactly what I said, but I will clarify. <laughs> um, let, let me clarify – yeah, but in all seriousness, I mean, the Big 12, you've got two teams at the top. And, I, and I'm really I'm basing all of this off of uh, people a lot smarter than me talking about Vegas with where they've got these season win totals at right now. And in my opinion, you've got Texas and Oklahoma both sitting at nine and a half. I don't think Oklahoma is a 10-win team, although their schedule is pretty light. And then you've got Texas, who I've been on record saying, I think that's your, your best shot out of the Big 12 at the college football playoff. And I think they've got a real chance at it this year. But then after that, you just have a lot of teams in the Big 12 that are stacked somewhere between six and eight wins. Again, in terms of what Vegas has put out that. Now, to talk out of both sides of my mouth, TCU last year, I don't think anybody, certainly I didn't have them making the run that they did. And there's always the chance that a, you know, a Texas Tech could be that dark horse that pops up. Or an Oklahoma takes more of a step than, than I have them taking. And they end up with an 11 or maybe even a 12-win type of season. But with where things are penciled right now with the number of guys that are coming back at places like Oklahoma State that traditionally is a little better than another win total right now sitting at six and a half, it just feels like you've got a lot of parity in sort of the middle, sort of to the upper middle of the conference. And then to me, you've got Texas that is, is a distance away at the top of the conference. So uh, I still am probably going to get uh, even more hate after this from, from the Baylor Bears fans. But you know what? I, I would do the same thing if I was a fan. No, it's, hey, don't, yeah, be who you are. And it's, it's, there's a lot of question marks there. And if they answer them, great, good for them. They did a couple of years ago and surprised a lot of people. Taylor McCark with us. Every Thursday at 4.30 on 365 Sports. So, Taylor, um, since you've, you've completely eviscerated all the Big 12 fans and they don't love you anymore, uh, what's your favorite conference now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess, it, you know, I guess I could say the ACC, since they uh, really are epitomizing the Atlantic Coast Conference with adding <laughs> potentially two teams from the Bay Area. And it looks like this, uh, from everything that I've seen today, I'm sure you guys are following along as well, if the ACC may, in fact, add Cal, Stanford, and SMU with SMU giving up their uh, television revenue and covering those costs themselves for the first seven years, which is just insane. Uh, but in this landscape of college football, it's honestly whatever, uh, you know, last year, if you could have thrown out an idea that just seemed the most far-fetched, it seems like those are the things that are actually starting to happen now. Taylor, I know that uh, there's there's more than just one game to choose from this weekend, and um, I mean there's a handful of them. But what are your thoughts on getting to see you know Notre Dame and Navy kick things off? Sam Hartman, obviously a big addition for the Irish in the off season. We'll get to see Caleb Williams later that night. Just what are maybe a couple of your thoughts on this opening weekend? That's the unofficial opening weekend, if you will. Yeah, for for Notre Dame, obviously they had such a slow start last year, and would expect. Uh, in Freeman's second year that, that certainly they're more improved with Sam Hartman transferring into the quarterback position. I think their wide receiver room will be better. So the first crack, you know, really as a fan, you're just hoping that some of these games are competitive. There's some, there's some pretty wide uh, margins here in terms of the lines. But for, for Notre Dame and Navy, it's really exciting right out of the gate. I'm, I've got a handful of Conference USA games with CBS this year, so I'll really be paying attention to UTEP against Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State bumping up to FBS. 
uh, looking, you know, towards the end of the slate, FIU going to Louisiana Tech. Those are some of the ones that I'll be really paying attention to. And then also, of course, uh, I'll be watching Caleb Williams and USC like everybody else. You want to hopefully see them take a step forward on the defensive side. We know what that offense is capable of and what Caleb Williams can do. But I think for USC, the biggest thing is you really would love to see them put the clamps down on uh, San Jose State and and at least in the first half, if you pull the starters and they score some points in the second half, you're not as worried about that. But, uh, man, that was one of the worst defenses in the country last year. And for USC, again, really hope that they've taken that step forward on that side of the ball. Is there, uh, other than uh, an injury, and maybe if they get on the wrong side of a couple of scores, the odds that Caleb Williams will not repeat, like an Archie Griffin, and some have not, some good ones, but repeat as the Heisman Trophy winner with all the numbers he'll probably put up? Yeah, I think there's a reason that he is, if he's not the favorite, he's in the top two uh, in virtually every poll that I've seen. And some of it has to do with uh, what you just talked about, with what they put on tape last year, just how talented he is. And, and again, we're excluding an injury. But there's been plenty of Heisman winners in the past that um, you never know the reasons why. Sometimes they e- either regress or they just don't have those Heisman moments. And that's sometimes – players don't get the benefit of the doubt if their defense lets them down. And Caleb Williams, if USC doesn't take a step forward like we've talked about on defense and they go get two or three losses and they're out of the the race for the college football playoff, I think that's where it's most likely that you would see him fall out of contention to win the Heisman, where maybe it's not even his fault, but they drop games in conference they shouldn't have because they didn't get things sorted on the defensive side. And, you know, there there are plenty of examples of excellent players that – but turned into usually it's a quarterback award on one of the best teams in college football. Honestly, one of the outliers here is, is Robert Griffin. And we played them that year that he won it. That was a three loss team, but the fireworks that that team put up and that offense put up led by Robert Griffin made it so overwhelming that you had to give him the trophy. Yeah. And uh, of course the big win, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, um, so prime, uh, was that yeah, a primetime prime time, game? Yeah, it was yeah. a primetime game. Yep. Yeah, it was the you know yep. Aaron Andrews is here. All that stuff kind of all leads into that. Uh, a guy I I really like uh, when it comes to you know, maybe dark horse Heisman chances. Taylor is Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. Um, they play Navy uh, this weekend. Obviously, that's a rivalry game. Uh, it's in Ireland. It's going to be kind of wild. Do you think he can get the Irish in the playoff discussion? Is he that much better than what they've had the last few years? I think so, but again, Notre Dame, you're talking about a significant step forward when you go from what they put on tape last year to making the jump into the college football playoff this year, and they've got a challenging schedule. I mean, they've got a stretch right in the middle of the year. Looking at it right now, they've got Ohio State at Duke, which on paper doesn't look that challenging, but it is a road game, then at Louisville, and then back home against USC. That four-game stretch – that schedule, it it, it tends to be that Notre Dame plays year in and year out. You've got Clemson later in the year. It's really difficult. The one thing that Sam Hartman brings that Notre Dame hasn't had in a long time is that is one of the most accurate, if not the most accurate, long ball passer in the country. And that's one of the things they were so effective at at Wake Forest was 50-50 deep shot type of downfield passing game. He's one of the best. Again, if not the best, the only person that I would really put up there with him is Caleb Williams at USC, which we just talked about. I think Notre Dame, they certainly have enough marquee games where 
early in the schedule. Just look at the, the matchup against Ohio State on, on the 23rd of September. If they win that game, you're talking about getting right up there into the top five, putting themselves in a position where they win out or even if they just have one loss. That's where I think you've got a chance for them to be a playoff team. And the last thing I'll add on that specific to that Ohio State game is what happens with the quarterback position? Because what you've seen and what we've read out of camp and, and some of these uh, comments from scrimmages and practices is they haven't had anybody really separate themselves yet. And it's similar to what's going on in Alabama as well. But for Ohio State, if they can't get solid quarterback play early in the season, you've got Notre Dame coming early on the schedule. That's a really big matchup for both of, the, both of those teams. Taylor, putting you on the spot a little bit, but I'm sure you saw the top 25 rankings. Uh, if not either way, do you have your, your set of playoff teams ready to go to, to unveil here, or are you kind of in the midst of still trying to figure all that out? Yeah, I thought about this. Uh, I probably should put pen to paper and come up with who my, who my top four would be. Uh, I'll put Georgia in right now just because I don't think their schedule uh, – there are not enough challenges on paper right now, even though they're sorting through. I guess now they've named – quarterback but I think there's still way too much talent there uh, I'll give USC the benefit of the doubt I think with the amount of talent they have coming back and their schedule I would have SR, I was about to say SMU USC going into the playoff uh, likely the winner of Ohio State or Michigan I'll put Michigan there because I think they win that and then I'll give you one uh, again that, that Big 12 fans will get fired up over but I do I would have Texas as that fourth team because I don't think they lose two games this season. I think maybe they lose close to Alabama, but uh, with the amount that they have coming back, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I've bought into the hype. I would have Texas in the four spot. I had this question uh, from somebody in the chat room. Baylor played Rice. It was a few years back, and it's a massive stadium. We know it used to, you know, even hosted a Super Bowl. What was that like playing in such a massive, like a, a, a coliseum type with a, a school that does not have much uh, great school academically, but the fans aren't there that often? Yeah, it was challenging. I mean, I could give you a really long answer here, but I'll try to keep it short. We played a couple big matchups for us at home where we played Houston or we played UCLA at home. Both of those games had you know north of 30,000 people, 35,000 people, and it just still didn't feel like a big atmosphere because the stadium was so big. And the new athletic director, Tommy McClellan, that, that Rice just hires, they're bringing in for Vanderbilt. I appreciated that in his opening remarks, he talked about Rice needs to retrofit and make some serious improvements to that stadium, including the press box. And they've done certain things. They've added a new end zone facility. They've changed some things on the other side. But if you look at what I like to look, use Tulane as the example, uh, where we used to play them in the Dome, in the Superdome, they now have, I believe it's Yulman, where it's 30-ish thousand people, and I think that's perfect for yep. a place like Rice. You don't need really any more than that. And I think it also surprises people the attendance that a lot of these, even Big 12 stadiums, what their capacity is. A lot of times it's still less than 50,000 and sometimes more around 40,000. And if, if that's a Big 12 stadium, Rice certainly doesn't need to be there because on our best day, biggest atmosphere we never got more than thirty-five thousand people so uh conference games i can tell you when we weren't very good and we were playing louisiana tech at home at 11 a.m we weren't anywhere close to thirty-five thousand people 
Taylor, yeah. uh, you obviously are very uh, knowledgeable and uh, part of the deal when it comes to the American. I mean, that's uh, it's your expertise, I think, if you will, uh, amongst many other things. But uh, how are you feeling about the race that's shaping up and just the, the new teams coming in? I mean, where are you kind of leaning? You got UTSA, who's obviously been an immensely impressive program, but SMU, Tulane, just how are you seeing it kind of break down in the American? Yeah, I think a lot has been made of, of Tulane. Obviously won a ton last year, beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. I think they'll be right there again this year. Their defense will not be as good this year as it was last year, but it's still Michael Pratt coming back at quarterback. They should still be solid. UTSA, you mentioned. The only other team that I would add that I, maybe doesn't get enough credit right now is SMU. I, I think what Rhett Lashley has built there and the transfers that they got in, a couple of which were from Miami, which is where he was previously, that's a really talented team. And we had SMU last year when Preston Stone came in as a backup and he broke his collarbone early. He was extremely impressive early before he got hurt. And I think there's a world where SMU actually has gotten better at that position over Tanner Mordecai and not gone backwards. Um, now, it remains to be seen, but I think there's a lot of talent on that team. If, if there was a third team that I would say really has a chance at winning that conference, it's SMU. And then behind that, uh, I do think there uh, there's going to be a couple-year grace period for sort of the bottom of those Conference USA teams that moved up. Rice is going to need to add talent. I think UAB with Trent Dilfer, they, they'll get there, but it's gonna, it won't happen this season. Charlotte obviously struggled lately, but the top of that conference, Tulane, UTSA, and I would put SMU, I think it's going to be a really competitive season for those three. Taylor, thank you. Don't open up your inbox, but thank you very much. We appreciate it. No, really, it's great, the reaction. You're telling us how you feel. That's what we want. And, yeah, uh, people are going to go up and down on that, but it's great that you uh, gave us your opinion. We appreciate that. Oh, I I appreciate it. I love it. You guys have awesome fans and really loyal listeners, and and, I tell you guys all the time, but I love coming on with you guys. Taylor McCark, thank you. We love that you're with us uh, every Thursday around 430 with us on 365 Sports. Yeah, you just – Gained some new enemies, Memphis fans. Uh, yeah. Didn't mention them. Uh, we know they're very vocal, and we love them, and uh, certainly feel for them at various turns of this realignment saga. But, no, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the deal. When you put your opinion out there, you're going to have some people that agree with it and some people that don't, and the best part is to wait and see how it ends up in the long run. But, uh, you know, he's certainly not the only one that feels that way about the Big 12 at, or Texas um, you know, being the favorite in, in the league. But, yeah, a lot of good stuff, a lot of fun storylines. I mean, we get to see the Heisman winner this weekend, get to see Sam Hartman in Notre Dame this weekend, get to see uh, some cool things. So I'm, I'm fired up for it. Coming up, Craig Smokes off the radar. Nicole Arbach, latest on the ACC and what's happening and what her thoughts are on what will happen. We appreciate your time every day on 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac, they are the people that you can count on when it comes to great customer service for the life of your car and also for great deals. If you're in the market for a new or pre-owned vehicle, Richard Carr uh, has what you're looking for. And right now, it's admittedly a little bit uh, cluttered over in front of the dealership because there's a lot of construction going on over on Highway 6, uh, but they are making it easier because of that to buy cars since it's not so easy to actually get over to them. Right now, when you uh, give them a phone call, you visit the website, or you go over and see them in person, you will see a lot of great deals, including the 2023 GMC Sierra 1500s, discounted by thousands, and qualified buyers can finance for 0.9% financing. Dozens of Sierras on the lot currently at Richard Carr, so they 
They have the inventory. They have the pricing, uh, but they also have the financing. Elsewhere, ranked number one overall brand uh, for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. They've got the Buick SUVs. Uh, luxury without the luxury price tag. Right now, save thirty-two fifty on a new 2023 Buick Encore GX. Qualified buyers can also get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2024. So there's just a couple of the new vehicles and new offerings that they have for you. But they also have a lot packed with pre-owned cars and trucks as well. Many in stock you can find for under $25,000. And their financing philosophy is always 100% credit approval. They love to say yes when others say no. Elsewhere, if you're not looking to buy a vehicle, uh, whether it be new, whether it be pre-owned, I mean, you can go do those things, but maybe you like the ride that you're in and you just want to get it taken care of. Like, I've had to get it taken care of after a couple of uh, wrecks, uh, whether it be a tire situation. Uh, You just want to go get an oil change. Their award-winning customer service department is standing by to keep you on the road. You can book an appointment by giving them a call, visiting the dealership in person, or visiting their website, richardcar.com. 24 years they've been in business in Central Texas, and over that time they built a reputation as the people you can count on for your automotive needs run by proud Central Texans, proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. And what I'll say to you is true. Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Sausage wraps on there, the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Boozers is the wedding ring store and more. If you're ready to get engaged or already married and want to upgrade your wife's ring for a special anniversary, Boozers is the place to go. With the largest selection of premier quality diamond engagement rings and wedding rings in Central Texas. They have seven cases with over 300 styles of rings from top designers like Natalie Kay. Choose from yellow, white, or rose gold, plus beautiful top quality loose diamonds. With an in-house jewelry, they can also custom make anything you want. Bring in a picture or drawing and let Boozers create your one-of-a-kind pendant or ring. They can even use some of your old gold and diamond jewelry to create something new. At Boozers, you'll find a great selection of quality timepieces, and Boozers is the place for expert watch maintenance and repairs, too. They specialize in expert Rolex watch repair for fine jewelry, watches, custom work, and more. Go to Boozers on Valley Mills and Lake Air Drive in Waco. Boozers, the wedding ring store. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness on Lakeshore Drive is a premier elite life-changing experience where you can change your mind, body, and soul. Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness offers over 40 group exercise classes every week, including boot camp, indoor cycling, bars, silver sneakers, and more. If you haven't been to Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness lately, you're missing out on the improvements. New flooring in the weight room floor and locker rooms, new paint and mirrors added to the weight room and group exercise room, and many new machines have been added and arriving constantly 
on the weight room floor. New free weights, weight machines, TRX, rowing machines, stationary bikes, new treadmills, new ellipticals on the spacious weight room floor. Personal training with Christy London, Randall Corley, Alex Box, and welcome to Nathan Roach, where you will be encouraged and motivated to grow. A kids club included with your membership plus sauna, whirlpool, and tanning bed. 16 tennis courts plus a beautiful stadium court and longtime youth tennis pro Britt Coleman and assistant junior Kenneth. Adult tennis lessons and clinics with Blake and the commitment to pickleball with eight courts and instructor Jody Thurman. Visit the website at wacotennis.com or visit us at Waco Regional Tennis and Fitness next to Hawaiian Falls on Lakeshore Drive in Waco. This is Craig Smokes Off the Radar, presented by Alliance Bank. They take pride in making banking easy, AllianceBankTexas.com. All right, welcome back to 365 Sports. It's a Thursday, and much like on Tuesdays, those are the days of the week that around 445 Central Time, we stop down for a little off the radar, just taking a look at a grab bag of stories from around the world of sports and Really, just kind of depends on how interesting the headlines are out there uh, between segments on you know what we're able to cherry pick from. Uh, not much college football today. I do love that here. Pretty much in the next couple of weeks, that this whole news cycle is about to ramp up in a major way, and that sure. will be beneficial for this segment in particular after the dog days of summer. But I think we still have enough to talk about. And let's start with something that's actually a couple of days old. I, I intended to mention it last Thursday, and just uh, I think. Uh, we had like a shortened segment because of the lineup of guests was really kind of crammed together. Um, but how about our buddy RG3 and his rise through the media ranks oh, yeah. uh, over the last few years? Uh, they announced the Monday Night Countdown crew. Um, uh, I think it was late last week. And who would be manning uh, the desks and what have you for their Monday Night Football broadcast on ESPN this season? Scott Van Pelt, the studio host. Uh, he'll be joined by Ryan Clark RG3, Marcus Spears as analysts. You also have Adam Schefter. I know you can also chime in on Marcus Spears, actually. Uh, Michelle yep. Weissner-Buck will be their features reporter, and they'll also get appearances uh, throughout from uh, Alex Smith and also Larry Fitzgerald. So that's the Monday Night Countdown crew, but you got to be buddies with Marcus Spears when yeah. he was on the Cowboys, and you can shed light on whether you knew media was in his future or not, but, I mean, RG3 always had a big personality, I missed him by two years, I think. Yep. Uh, I was here a couple years after his Heisman run, but we've had him on the show. He's a friend of the show, um, and he's just skyrocketed in media. You so know, they're going to be on Monday Night Countdown. I'll never forget, and I'll go back to Marcus Spears, but when Baylor played uh, two years ago, Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl, I think I was walking around the corner from the hotel to go get something to bring back. And Ted Ganji, who runs the Pro, uh, the Football Writers Association of America, the directory and all that, does a lot of things, called me and said, I want to speak with RG3. He can, can you help me get in touch with him? So I contacted Robert and I said, there's a guy that he's very good about helping broadcasters go uh, not just up the ladder, but methodically. And he, he did a little bit. Of, he got him in the right places and helped him a little bit. Now, RG3 did it himself, too. Yeah. But, yeah, he's uh, – you know, one of the things I'm impressed about him is that he's incredibly prepared and he's not afraid to make an, a given opinion. Not just whacked opinions, but – and I like the fact that he's assigned with somebody different this year in college football as a, a color analyst. 
But, yeah, he is about to be about as big a face as you're going to have when it comes to sports broadcasting for the next several years. I, I think that he's – I think Bob Wischusen is going to help him a lot. And, and not only that, just because, you know, it's nice to have, you know, a team together for a while and all that, but – I think when you're new in the business, for example, Smokey, you and I, until this year, done a lot of high school football games together. Um, we've done a lot. Uh, I don't think I would have been as good with you early on had I not had to go through several different people because you were at a level that I was not as a, as a broadcaster. So to put me with you right off the bat, what probably would have been difficult because you had been doing it a long time. You had a certain way of doing it. And then to move me through, and like part of this wasn't, there was like a no grand plan to it. It just worked out, I think, for my benefit in that I had to work with other broadcasters along the way, learn other things, and then be able to adapt to a new one. So I was ready for you when you came in, as opposed to, oh man, this guy moves at a speed I've never been at before. I hope I can keep up. I was, I was kind of ready to go when you got there. I think Mark Jones, and I'm not going to, Give my opinion on that, um, but I think they had a, a broadcast that was interesting, and then um, I think their problem was they liked cracking each other up too much. Oh yeah, for sure. And which is fine. Like if that's what you're going for, fine. But Bob Wischusen's one of the best play-by-play guys there He's is. Solid as a rock, and it's it, going it, to make RG three better. It will make him better. Now Marcus Spears, I had a chance to actually get to know him well. He spoke at a banquet that I had one year. I had a weekly show with him, and there was no question his personality was there, but he has done much better than I ever thought, and he's done a great job, and he's he's really a major part of what ESPN does. I'm happy for him. Yeah, I mean, all those people mentioned Ryan Clark. I know he had a little incident. He had to post an apology because of some of his comments. That wasn't a big deal, but just you know some comments that he had made. But, I mean, Ryan Clark's been a, a rising star uh, rapid uh, these past couple years, it seems like in particular. Um, but same with Spears, same with RG3. So all, all three of those guys, amongst others, will be a part of the uh, NFL countdown team. And um, just interesting to having a couple of those guys that you kind of know their journey a little bit and, and cool to see them uh, rising as fast as they are. Uh, speaking of um, the Cowboys, because I kind of mentioned that with Marcus Spears, and that's how you got to know him a little bit. Uh, yesterday, Jerry Jones said that DeMarcus Ware will be joining the Ring of Honor, the well-celebrated, uh, you know, sometimes controversial, and, and certainly in this case, once again, uh, Cowboys Ring of Honor. Uh, Jerry Jones making it be known that DeMarcus Ware will be the sole inductee into the Cowboys Ring of Honor in 2023. So, Ware deserves it. I mean, no doubt about it, right? He's a pro football Hall of Fame guy. He's uh you know, had an immensely successful career, not only with Dallas, but eventually with Denver as well. Got a couple super, uh, you know, had a Super Bowl, right? Uh, was it the one Super Bowl for DeMarcus Ware? One in Denver. Yeah, the yeah. one in Denver. But, I mean, had a had a Hall of Fame career. So, no surprise that he's being inducted in the Cowboys Ring of Honor. But every time you induct somebody and that person's name is not Jimmy Johnson, yep. there is always going to be some level of controversy. So, another year goes by and no Jimmy in the Ring of Honor just would love y'all's thoughts, especially, you know, Paul coming from the standpoint of somebody who's covered them, sure, but you're a fan of the Cowboys. And then also you as somebody who's covered them for forever and ever. And you all both know kind of the, the deal behind this. So what are your thoughts now? Another year and no Jimmy in the Ring of Honor. I think it's it's really sad because none of the other guys that Jerry, none, zero of the guys that played for Jerry, not Gilbrandt. Gilbrandt would have eventually been in there anyway. But 
uh, or some of the guys that were pre-Jerry, but none of the guys that played for Jerry would be in there without Jimmy. At least the first, not DeMarcus where that was after Jimmy, but but none of those other guys, not Troy Aikman, not Emmett Smith, not Michael Irvin. Like, they would not be in there if not for what Jimmy did and built the Cowboys. And, yes, Jerry was a, obviously a huge part of that. I just kind of feel like Jerry is waiting out one of them. <laughs> like, one like one of them is going to pass before the other one unless they have this um, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams thing where they both die on the same day um, as rivals. Well, it but, was such a joke because remember they did the football, the yeah. Hall of Fame game or a preseason game, and they whatever it was, they had Troy there and among others, and Jerry reached out. Jimmy was on the set. They set it up. Jerry said he was going in. You could see it kind of got Jimmy emotional, and it was just an absolute fraud of a broadcast yep. when they did that. And that's on Jerry. If he didn't want to do it, he shouldn't have done it. He sh- but he gets emotional, got over his skis, and here we are now two or three years yeah, later. He got emotional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Johnny Walker got him emotional. <laughs> yeah. Blue, to be exact. Yeah. Uh, could y'all, by any chance, name, this will be the sixth inductee since uh, 2007. Um, could you name, DeMarcus, Mayer's, DeMarcus Ware is one of them, but the other ones since 2007. And eleven beyond. You talking about Ring so, of Honor? Yeah. So there's five more besides where Darren Woodson, yes. Drew Pearson, yes. Gil Brandt, yes. Yep. I, mean, I was there for all of them. I should remember this. Um, um, Drew Pearson had two that went in with him, and those are the two that you're missing. There was a three man 2011 uh, class. Uh, Charles Haley, yes. And uh, oh, you're making me the meanest goosebumps. looking mofo on the planet, and one of the best. Offensive lineman tackles of oh, all time. Oh, Larry yeah. Allen. Yeah. 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 So since 2006, which was when they inducted Rayfield Wright, um, there was a gap of five years. And then in 2011, they had the three-man class, Larry Allen, Drew Pearson, Charles Haley. Then in 2015, Darren Woodson. 2018, Gil Brandt. And now here in 2023, DeMarcus Ware. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great group. And there's many others you can argue, but it's not uh, the ring of pretty good. It's not the ring of good. It's not even supposed to be the ring of very good. It's the ring of honor, and it is hard to get into. But the well, Jimmy Johnson name on it in there is incomplete. And Jason Jason Witten will be the next one. Yeah, um, that's a good bet. Will yeah. Ezekiel Elliott be in the ring no, of honor? No, 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 I don't think so. Uh, Romo Romo is going to be the biggest debate. No, he'll get in because Jerry think, loves him. Yeah, yeah but he has uh, the final say. He'll but, get in. If Romo gets in before Jimmy Johnson, funny. You might have an uprising yeah. from, the, from the dudes in the 90s. Yeah. Well, this is off the radar, so there are a couple of other things here um, that are, I guess, uh, honors related. Uh, the Lakers and uh, the widow of the late Kobe Bryant, Vanessa Bryant, announcing that they will unveil a Kobe Bryant statue outside of the Lakers arena uh, coming up this February. Uh, that was announced uh, that it will take place on February the 8th outside of Crypto.com Arena. Uh, so they're already releasing the details to get it kind of revved up, and uh, they will sell tickets to the event, of course. So they're already getting that going, but uh, he will... Uh, Kobe Bryant, that is, have a statue erected outside the Crypto.com Arena, the Staples Center, as I better know it, coming up this February. Meanwhile, the Mets announced that they will be retiring the numbers of Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry 
next season. So uh, those two members of the 86 Mets and controversial figures, I think uh, fair to say at various points in their careers, uh, will both be uh, uh, inducted into the Mets Hall of Fame uh, as or their, their jerseys will be retired, I should say, uh, next season as well. So for some reason, a lot of like accolade talk this week. It just all kind of worked out that way. But you can't really argue that that none of these people are are deserving. Uh, both but, those guys' careers, uh, really both fantastic players, derailed because of addiction. And number sixteen for Strawberry, number yeah. eighteen for Good. And just to be yeah. clear on that, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but. Gooden, I really hope. Uh, I hope he's better than they did the uh, thirty for thirty about the two of them. Yeah, Daryl Strawberry, who we've had on the show a couple times, and Super Bowls, yeah, Super Bowls. I think we had him on when we were up in the in the uh, in the in the loft in my house. Uh, I think we had him on yeah, then during had, the, yeah. the twenty twenty. Uh, he is he is a, a very good example of what can happen when you are committed to coming through addiction because he's he's really done well. Uh, through that, which is a, a very, very hard thing to do. Uh, but Dwight Gooden, when they did that thing, he he was still really kind of up and down and hadn't hadn't gotten out of the yeah. out of it yet. And so I hope that by the time they do this, that, that Dwight's all good and, and ready to go. Um, because those were those were some fun teams. It was Dwight Gooden, and again, those are two guys who probably could have been Gary Carter Hall of Famers. Part of those yeah, Gary team? Carter. Yeah. But those two in particular, Strawberry and Dwight Gooden, would be in Cooperstown probably had they not yep. derailed their careers. Yeah. Yep, so uh, they are getting their numbers retired by the Mets. And so, yeah, a lot of stuff like that going on this week from from Kobe's statue to, to numbers retired for the Mets to the Cowboys' ring of honor. It's kind of weird how that all worked out. But uh, I will leave you with this, uh, and that is the, the Shohei Otani injury. Uh, the big news in baseball tore his UCL and will not pitch again this season, which – you know, it doesn't mean his season's over. Obviously, that's the incredible thing about Shohei Otani is that, yeah, as a pitcher, you can't use him anymore. But, um, you know, as a, as a regular player, uh, you can still uh, move forward. But, uh, you know, tough day for all of us, a tough day for him, uh, according to the GM uh, Perry Manassian. When he talked to the media yesterday, uh, uh, undergoing a second Tommy John surgery, um, not sure uh, if that will be the case, not sure how much he's going to hit, not sure really about the details as of yet, just sure that he is not going uh, to pitch again this season and that they will go for a second opinion uh, regarding any type of surgery. So uh, this all took place yesterday. He left the, the game. He was on the mound, left in the second inning had arm fatigue, which is now you hear that term, you're like, uh-oh, yep. and sure enough, your mind goes straight to, to TJ surgery, uh, but it was his first start in a couple of weeks, and he had been fatigued, and that was part of the reason, so now they're they're pulling the plug entirely, and uh, there have been some warning signs, but uh, obviously interesting news out of Angels Camp, and those are a few things off the radar. Great segment, Craig, and by the way, he's a free agent, and there were thoughts he was going to be a $500 million player because of what he could do, he still will probably hit, but you wonder if they're going to want to shut him down because they're now out of the race because the AL West is an incredible race with Texas, Astros, and Mariners coming on fire. Astros beaten today by the Red Sox 17-1, to by the way. Yeah! After they were a game back at Texas. You know it! The Rangers have lost six straight. <laughs> yeah, the Rangers suck right now. They have um, really struggled. Yeah. Paul, any thoughts on Otani? I'm bummed. Like, as a baseball fan, yeah, I want to see him pitch and hit for 20 years. That's what I want yeah, to see. Yeah. I want to see that. Um, I don't think it's going to change his number all that much, uh, at least early on. I think that he might um, – it might hurt him in the first couple of years, but 
he's going to have some incentive clauses and all that. He's going to make a bunch of money. I, I'm almost positive he's going to be playing for the Dodgers next year. Hmm. But, uh, you know, yeah. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, he's still in very much, you know, a guy who was on his way to the AL MVP before this injury. No so question. you wonder yeah. how just everything's kind of affected by that and still remains to be seen what all he's going to be doing. We just know that he's not going to be pitching. So, uh, as I mentioned, there's a few things off the radar, but I did also want to close it out uh, being the wrestling fan that I am saying rest in peace to the Funker. Terry Funk uh, passed away age 79 yesterday, an absolute legend uh, worldwide, made his mark in Japan, here in America, also a Texas guy, so it's a little bit homegrown as well, but a legendary wrestling family, the Funks, but Terry Funk, one of a kind, RIP to to a legend. I saw Nick, was it Mick Foley, and yeah. uh, obviously Ric Flair, among others, reaching out with their thoughts about him. Real quick update in golf, because I had somebody bring that up. This is the Tour Championship at East Lake in Atlanta, and Scotty Scheffler was winning this tournament until he triple bogeyed a par three, hit his tee shot in the water on 15, finished uh, uh, a couple of back. The leader, Colin Morikawa, Keegan Bradley, and also Victor Hovland, 10 under. Scheffler's at 9 under par. He was at 12 under par. When we come back, Nicole Arbach, TheAthletic.com on the ACC. What's going on now? This is is 365 sports texasbeefhouse.com i had the chance last night to visit with samantha duvall and some of you i know have spoken with her when you've ordered product from texas beef house she gave me a great story as she's gotten orders from all over the country everywhere you want in the contiguous united states you can order their home-raised farm-raised wagyu beef and the products that they have she told me that she got a call from tyler and they're marketing in Tyler, and they said that they watched us, listened to us, and heard about Texas Beef House, which is outside of Tyler in White House, from our show. And so thank you to those from the Tyler area that ordered a nice chunk of great product from Texas Beef House. They have Wagyu, regular hamburger patties, jalapeno and cheese patties, and she explained to me last night that they're hamburger patties that have cheese in it the way that they're put together, that when you put them on the grill, they don't, like, just leak everywhere and melt everywhere, and the cheese stays intact. Wagyu jalapeno cheese summer sausage, garlic links with cheese, ground beef, flat iron steak, Wagyu, uh, Wagyu fillets, ribeyes, New York strip. Use the hashtag Sikkim10 to get a discount on any orders over $100. Samantha Duvall and Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from their pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Come shop the greatest selection in Central Texas and save big on Ram trucks during the Make This the Summer event at Allen Samuels in Waco. Get a 2023 Ram 1500 Lone Star Crew Cab, 20% off MSRP or 2.9% for 72 months. The choice is yours. Plus, if you're a first responder, you get an extra $500 bonus cash. We've got the inventory and we're making big deals. Hurry in today. They won't last long. Allen Samuels in Waco is the place to shop Ram trucks. 
Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrip off I-35 in Carrollton. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and bakery. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. WacoCustomMarketplace.com It takes time to reach goals. It's a truth that applies to more than sports. It goes for your financial goals as well. You work hard for your money, and you deserve an investment strategy that lines up with your game plan. And Chuck Verno, your Edward Jones financial advisor, can help. If financial investments aren't putting forth the effort you desire, stop by today for a financial review. Chuck Verno, 720 North 64th Street in Waco, 254-732-1161. Edward Jones, member SIPC. is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is brought to you by Edward Jones Investments and financial advisor Chuck Verno, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Here we go, this 3 o'clock hour, 5 o'clock hour, excuse me, on 365 Sports, headed to 6 o'clock, and we were excited about getting this booked earlier today. Nicole Arbach, the Athletic.com senior college football or senior writer, but also now an insider for NBC Sports on her story and what is going on with the ACC and much more. Nicole, thanks for your time today with Craig and David and Paul. We appreciate your time. So how much of a timeline remains, in your opinion, when the ACC needs to, well, you know, do it or get off the pot? 
Well, I've been wondering that for a few weeks, and they kind of just put it on ice for a little while and now picked it back up. So I don't know necessarily that there's a hard deadline here. I think a lot of folks involved would like a decision to be made either way pretty quickly and, and certainly not stretch into the season. But I, I don't think that they are operating under a hard deadline. We've, we've heard a lot of deadlines around realignment over the last couple of years. And a lot of people have blown past them. So I don't think they want to set anything like that. And, you know, obviously these, these moves would be taking effect for next year. So you can't have them linger too, too much. But I do think, you know, we can see by the amount of meetings that have been set for this week that things are ramping up and you would think moving towards a, a final answer. Nicole, does this do anything, though? Like if they flipped a school, if they flipped one of the four who's publicly against this because there could be more that are privately maybe not so much in favor of it but don't have to say anything because they know there's four that are uh, out there if they flip say nc state is this going to do anything to help out the three that don't want it well I, I think that's what the question is i mean the schools that have been opposed to it and took a straw poll vote a couple weeks ago you know part of the reason is because well what does it gain us you know, what, what is the value that's being added? Does it help our football product? No. Does it help the additional revenue that we need to close the gap with the SEC and the Big Ten? No. And so that's the part that's been addressed, right? If you look at the financial models that are being considered, you have SMU willing to not take media rights revenue for a period of time, and you have Stanford and Cal that would be coming in at a low but partial share. And so if you look at the money that is available – there is a pool of money that you could determine could go for performance-based uh, results or directing it, however you want to describe it. And, you know, it, it could be a sizable chunk. If you're talking about like a 30% share or something in that ballpark for Stanford and Cal, and again, 0% for SMU for five or seven years, that's a sizable amount of money. And then if it's tied to, let's say, making a football championship game, winning the ACC, top 25 finishes, whatever that might be, that could certainly help the schools that have been opposed to this, i.e. Clemson and Florida State, who have been very vocal about wanting more revenue because they believe that they are carrying the league in terms of its football value. So I, I do think the idea would be that you're getting everybody on board and that you could eventually get them to change their tune or beliefs. I, again, I don't need to have it to be unanimous because – you know, we all know what the numbers are and what they need to be. They need to be 12 out of 15. Notre Dame is a full member. But I think you would love, if you're Jim Phillips, to get to a point where everyone is pretty much on board with this because you've addressed some of the concerns about revenue by creating essentially a new pool of revenue that would be going towards the schools, theoretically, that are investing the most in football and succeeding the most in football. But it doesn't have to be unanimous. It doesn't have to get to that point. But I do think, you know, you have the commissioner who has been making a very concerted effort to talk to everybody and to under explain and get people understanding why they've been pursuing this and how it addresses certain other issues that others have. Nicole, how many raised eyebrows did you come across whenever talking about SMU and, and what they're willing to do uh, for going money for seven years, uh, millions upon millions of dollars? Granted, they're a school that can swing it, but I mean – De desperation, whatever you want to call it, they clearly see that there's a very small slice of light in the door for them to get in right now, and they're they're clearly going all in. Yeah, it's definitely an unusual arrangement and offer, and I think it does speak to the 
again, the desperation that people have to figure out what their futures are in college sports. I mean, the fact that we're also talking about Stanford and Cal accepting, you know, a, a low percentage partial share of the ACC when they're going to be the ones who are going to be traveling cross country all the time as well speaks to that because as long as it's still more than they would be making in the American or the Mountain West and it's still a power five league, there's going to be reasons that you're going to want to take it and want to do something. And I think, you know, we've seen a lot of moves in the last couple of years that really, you know, were confusing to people and didn't make sense to other people, but speak to the concerns that everyone has about where this enterprise is going and people want to be attached to power conferences and SMU views this as an opportunity to get in the door, and they believe that long-term, it's better to be in the ACC than not. And it's, it's not dissimilar to when you have conversations about Florida State, and we talk about, okay, well, you know, how much it would cost to get out of the exit fee, and how much it could cost to get out of the grant of rights. Well, you're still going to be weighing the pros and cons of something like that if you're Florida State against where you think you want to be five, ten years from now, and if that cost is worth it, then you're going to consider it. And it's kind of the same thing with SMU. Yes, is this unusual? Certainly. But do they think that their future is better off five, ten years from now by, by getting into the ACC in that door now? They would say yes. And so it's definitely odd. And I think it's, it's definitely raised eyebrows across the industry because it sets a new bar of what people are willing to accept to switch conferences versus, again, we've had partial shares and different types of memberships. But essentially paying your own way in is a new one. You know, wouldn't it have made it a lot more simple, uh, Nicole, if the Fox and ESPN would have, like they made the offer to the Pac-12 and then the Pac-12 had a lot higher, uh, obviously, thoughts about themselves with the response of $50 million. It would have saved a lot of weird drama, wouldn't it, if they would have just agreed Pac-12 to the $30 million offer from TV networks? Well, a lot of people have done the math, right? If, if this does go through and you see what the total value ends up being for the schools that were formerly in the Pac-12 and what they could have had together. But you also have to think about, again, some of these schools are not taking full shares for a period of time. You also have different matchups that create different value. An Oregon-Ohio State matchup is something that is now offered as part of the Big Ten, which wasn't part of the Pac-12 package. So there's a lot of different reasons. But, I mean, it just speaks to the many different twists and turns and the all of the different points where things went wrong and decisions or, or um, actions were, were made that were wrong for the Pac-12 to have gotten to the point where the, the league, you know, potentially is dissolving completely. If, if, if Stanford and Cal go to the ACC and you only have two members left, um, it certainly would seem more likely than not that they would be joining another league versus trying to backfill and create a Pac whatever size conference this is. So, again, it just it, – it, all of these, you know, well, these schools did have value – all of these points just speak to, again, all of the decisions that led us to this point where the Pac-12 went away. And it didn't have to be this way, but it did. And, you know, there was value with the different schools in these leagues. But, again, contractually and the way that the twists and turns work and the forks in the road are how you get to the point where, okay, they are willing to pay this or they're willing to pay that, but maybe they're not willing to pay it for the length of a contract. It is a little bit different. Of the four schools who are currently against it, who would you say would be the one that would flip? Oh, I'm I, I'm not going to estimate or guess <laughs> on that. I mean, I, I you know tracking on decisions that are made and, and things that actually happen. Um, the question is, do you think someone will flip? And 
I think that there's been a lot of optimism because of some of these smaller group presidential meetings and just conversations over the last couple of days uh, that people do believe that this is closer than it's been before. And, you know, that would obviously mean that people think that at least one person is going to, one school is going to change its mind. And you still need all of the other ones who were yeses before to, to say yes votes. But again, I do think, you know, as part of the concerns were, well, where is this creating value? Where is this creating revenue? And you look at the financial models and you're presented with, with avenues for increasing your own revenue based on hitting certain performance-based metrics. Well, then that does address that and that could possibly change someone's vote. But again, until it happens, I'm not going to speculate on that. Yeah, and, and, and when he mentioned that or asked that and the way you responded, it, it, you've got to make sure you keep the eight you have. Uh, not only do you need somebody else to flip, but you have to keep the eight they have. Is there any way any of those eight, at least Nicole, if they don't like the way the distribution model looks, that they want to make sure that they don't end up the Big 12 used to have a couple of schools that ran the conference and at times hurt the conference. They don't want to have that happen, do they? Well, they actually need to have 12 yes votes. So, so they right. it's 12 out of 15, including Notre Dame. Um, and, yes, you need to maintain that, which, again, is why I think, you know, this was not officially taken off the table at any point here over the last couple of weeks. The way that was described to me was like it was put in the freezer and then it was, you know, taken back out. But – people were having conversations and trying to explain and explore options and ways that this could work. And Jim Phillips wants this to happen. And so he has been really methodical about the conversations and the things that he needed to do to get people on board. Um, and so, you know, you, you've got to believe that if this has momentum now and is being taken seriously and people do believe it's closer than ever to happening, that you have that support. And again, I think we'll know a lot more after the athletic directors meet tonight and, and they kind of are presented and, and discuss some of these things related to the financial models. But, you know, un, until you have that there, you just kind of are basing this off of the optimism, you know, that I've had in a number of conversations with folks in the league. Thank you so much, Nicole. Great stuff as always. Appreciate it. Congratulations on the NBC sports pop opportunity too. And what you do at the athletic.com. Have a great week. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you. Guys. Nicole Arbach with us on 365 Sports. I like the way she put that in regards to SMU comparing it to Florida State. That was a good way of putting that. Mm-hmm. That I didn't really think about it that way, but it's it is similar. Florida State, yeah, we'll pay gobs and gobs of money through what is it called? Uh, the private equity. Private equity, and then we'll pay that all back eventually. So yeah, I mean it's it's similar in that in that way of this is our shot. Let's take our shot. I think obviously FSU's though, the difference being they're not operating out of sheer desperation the way that SMU is where literally this is their shot. And if they don't land it, then I don't know where it comes again for them. Whereas with Florida state, they're locked in for 10 more years plus, and there will certainly be some things along the way where they might have other openings that they can take advantage of. Yeah, I think it – but then the other side of the difference is Florida State has to go find private equity. Yeah. SMU just is. Yeah, just has it. Yeah. <laughs> they just are. Yeah. Like, they, like, oh, yeah, Florida State's got to figure this out. As, as, as big of a school and a big of a football program as it is, um, all of that, they are just now getting back into – turning the kind of profit that they used to back in the day in their athletic department because they weren't running it like a modern athletic department for a long time when they should have been. Now they are, and now they're, they've gotten really big for the British really fast, and we'll see how that works out for them. But SMU, when they sit down and go, okay, we need to get a power conference. We're going to have to give up probably like 210 to $300 million. You guys got that? They're like, yeah, it's only money. 
Yeah, no. I won't get a third yacht. Yeah, and that's not even then the money that they'll go spend on NIL to be able yeah. to even compete. You know, right. and, yeah. and do exactly. and then raise the facility. And I know they're in the process of facilities before like Mustang Forty Two or something yells at me. Like I know that they're you know shaping up the stadium and doing all that right now. But I mean, then you got to take your your entire game to another level than what it's been on. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a huge investment, but it's obviously one they think that they need to make or or they'll flounder otherwise uh, in you know potential obscurity. So. Um, I mean, kudos to them, but yeah, there's there's only so many institutions that would have the ability, much less the, I guess the, uh, the dare to go and just say, yeah, we'll sacrifice hundreds of millions of dollars to get into this league and not then take any money, you know, for the foreseeable nearly a decade afterwards. Again, I wonder what does the ACC look like in seven years that they're going to be a part of when they start getting money. Because there's a very good chance it's not as much money as they're making right now, and what's making right now is not good enough for some people involved. So, yeah, I guess that can be unpacked when the time comes, but uh, very interesting stuff. All right, when we come back, Mickey Spagnola, last weekend of the NFL preseason, and then they get serious here pretty soon. And so he'll discuss maybe some roster decisions. The Cowboys pretty much set with what they have and have had a pretty injury-free preseason other than what happened with DeMarvion Overshone, who, of course, that's not good. That wasn't good news at all. We'll come back with that with Mickey and more. This is 365 Sports. Marco's Pizza. Pizza lovers get it. Fastest growing brand, pizza brand, in franchises in the country. And there are five of them in Waco. There used to be none. And I saw a little chatter on the chat room, maybe even three, four days ago, maybe a week ago, where somebody was looking for the lo- the closest Marco's Pizza, and it was like 90 miles away. But there will be one probably soon because of how fast-growing they are. There was none here just a few years ago, and now there are five. China Spring, Bell Mead, Woodway, Hewitt, and also in Robinson. Bob Mock is the owner, has been in the pizza business for a long, long time, and I really respect how he's handled the growth of what he has here in McLennan County. And Marco's Pizza, go online. You can order online. You can order to pick up. They have specials. They have codes. It, it depends on what you want. I like the uh, thin crust, large, all-meat pizza. You may not want all the meat. You may want something else. You want maybe just vegetables. Whatever it is, they have it. Because Marco's Pizza can deliver. Marco's Pizza, marcos.com, pizza lovers get it. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors, we are people you can count on. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men an exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovy. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective, good 
Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one size fits all strategy. Cam Heathcott, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why we take the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Cam Heathcott in Conroe at 936-756-7717. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge checking and savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports. It's time for our weekly segment with Mickey Spagnola of DallasCowboys.com. Prescott fires. Oh, Lamb! Touchdown! Brought to you by the First National Bank of Central Texas with five locations to serve you. Mickey Spagnola on the verge of the last weekend of NFL preseason, and then everything gets really, really serious. Mickey, thanks for your time. I know they had the injuries from last week, and obviously the one with uh, DeMarvion overshone hit pretty hard, uh, and Stevens. But how many actual truly competitive roster spots do they have to make decisions on? You know, I, I was thinking about that today. So they got to get to 53. But when they consider it, they look at it, David, as 69 because they got to have 16 practice squad guys. And I know it's been uh, McCarthy's uh, history and, and somewhat the Cowboys to try to keep your own. So, you know, if they got 87 guys right now, they got to get this. They're looking at it 69. They would like to keep 16 of their own, but you never know. Those guys have to clear waivers and somebody might pick them off. But. Uh, from the 53, I'd say I can probably get you to 45 right now. So there's probably eight spots that they got to make decisions with. And some of that, David, will involve some guys that they've got to maybe keep on the roster for a day and then put them on injured reserve. 
and then they cross their fingers that whoever they release or do a wink wink deal with them like don't go anywhere we're going to resign you in another day so just because they get to 53 there might be some guys that have to go on injured reserve and then they next day they'll put them in injured reserve and then re-sign somebody they uh, release so it's a pretty good juggling act uh, that they have to uh, go through. Mickey, how do you feel that uh, some of that uh, backup guard, which I know is not like the, the biggest concern in the world, but backup offensive line stuff has come the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think it's still kind of shuffling along because I saw what they were doing. And then uh, this past week uh, they had started using uh, TJ Bass. When, uh, so when the first team's out there, they don't give, Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, all all the reps, right? They, they don't need them. So you always look to see, well, who's taking their place with the first team? Well, this last week, T.J. Bass uh, was going in in Martin's place at right guard, and then they were using, because Willetsko, uh was had been out with a shoulder injury, uh, they've been using awesome Richards at the left tackle spot. So that kind of tells me they kind of like those two guys and they want to get a longer look at them. So uh, I would imagine, you know, keep an eye on how they use them in this last preseason game and how those guys perform. But they think they have something there with those guys. So uh, that that's two spots. Uh, and it looks like uh, they're kind of settled on Forniak being the backup center. And he can play a little guard, although I think he's a better center than a guard. He's got short arms. Uh, and then we'll see. But, yeah, that's probably the one position that there's, you know, they're not solidified. So if there was, you know, those eight I was talking about, I would imagine three of those at least and maybe four backup offensive linemen they got to settle on. But, again, if that's what you're worried about, that's yeah. not all that bad, no, right? It's no. backups on the offensive line. Mickey, with the Overshone's injury and he's out for the year, does that then create other decisions because he would have been a linebacker and also been very much involved on special teams? Yeah, well, especially special teams. Matter of fact, when I was talking with John Fossil after practice yesterday, and I said, I bet that was a big kick in the gut. And he goes, I'm still sick about it. And meaning him and John Stevens, uh, because those guys were going to be core special teams guys. Uh, and then, you know, for Overshawn, he, he was going to fit into some change-up packages as a linebacker slash safety, uh, a guy that can, you know, very versatile do a lot of things. And he was going to be on every special team they had. So, yeah, that one uh, really, really hurt. Uh, and, and because when they started training camp, you know, Fossil pointed out that, you know, when they lost Luke Gifford and Noah Brown, two core special teams guys, that they were looking for to replace them with guys at that same position. Well, one of the linebackers was going to be Overshawn, and then Stevens could have filled the spot of Noah Brown uh, as a kind of a pass-blocking, you know, wide receiver slash tight end. Uh, So, yeah, that hurt, and it probably hurt the most on special teams. And and everybody overlooks that, but that's kind of important uh, to have guys that can block, guys that can go downfield and make tackles and are willing to do it. And, again, you don't get to practice that stuff in training camp. So, you know, the the preseason games are really important to be able to figure that out. Mickey, you mentioned that 45 is the number uh, right now that you would say are pretty set. Do you think that this is a 
particularly good thing for them that they they really only have to drill down on eight guys that that fans can be optimistic that they feel good about where they are through most of the roster yeah i think so i think this if you look at it from a depth standpoint this is probably one of their stronger rosters uh that they have because they're gonna they'll probably be sick that they have to cut somebody and somebody's gonna pick them up now i'm sure every team thinks that right oh we got these guys and how are we going to cut them? We can't let them go. Somebody's going to pick them up. Well, if enough teams have that, then, uh, you know, you can get guys through waivers and get them on your, your practice squad. But, yeah, they've got tough decisions. they got tough decisions. Now, not as tough with Stevens getting hurt at tight end because they basically had five tight ends that they were going to have to decide on. Uh, they're going to have to decide how many running backs they're going to keep. Uh, and do they have the luxury? Uh, they like the lefty guy. Uh, the fullback, uh, but can can they afford a spot for him? Uh, wide receiver, you know, I can give you six guys that they'd like to keep, but can you keep six wide receivers and four running backs? And then I don't think you can keep a fullback. So those are the decisions that are going to be tough for them to juggle uh, to see what, you know, what all they can do. They probably got excess on the defensive line now, uh, at least one spot. So somebody's not going to make it. And, you know, they've got a bunch of young safeties and corners, guys like Y.A. Uh, Thomas and, and uh, Eric Scott. Uh, can they fit those guys on, on the 53? So, um, yeah, those are the tough decisions they, they've got to make. Do you think Kelvin Joseph has done, done enough to, to stay on the roster? Yeah, I think they like the fact that he's pretty good at special teams and he's pretty talented. Uh, now, is he the backup guy right now in the slot? Probably so, just because Jordan Lewis will probably have to start the season on some sort of list and probably miss the first four games of the season. Uh, but yeah, uh, and again, you know, I, I, I don't mean to get hung up on the special teams, but somebody's got to do that stuff. And I think they feel like his talent allows them, uh, to, it allows him I think to still stay on the 53-man roster. Mickey, this is uh, a, a team that because last year, and they, they they win division titles, they make the playoffs, and we know that the frustration has been an unheard of nearly three decades of not getting to an NFC championship game. If they get to one, why will it be this year? Um, number one, I think this defense is going to take the next step. Uh, you know, there were times last year, you know, they had to score 30, 40 points to win a game, right? I mean, think about the, the game they beat uh, Philadelphia. They ended up scoring 40 points on that defense, but they only won by, I think, one score, if I remember correctly. Uh, in, in 11 of 17 games, they gave up 100 yards rushing, and I think the lowest was 134, something like that. Uh, but I think they, they should be better in the third year in Dan Quinn's system, and I think they've added uh, to that defense. You know, picking up Gilmore fills a, fills a, spot, a spot for sure. Uh, and then, um, you know, with the addition of Damone Clark playing linebacker, uh, I think that's an upgrade from where they were last year. So you got – and you re-sign Leighton Vander Esch. So uh, I think the defense – will be a difference maker. Offensively, you hope that they don't fall off. I don't see why they would, having brought in Brandon, Brandon uh, Cooks, 
Uh, you, you're much better at the wide receivers position than you were to start the season last year. And I don't think they fell off at, at tackle. I mean, at tight end, I, I, I think Dalton Schultz was a liability blocking. And I think Jake Ferguson is a much better blocker. And I think he can be a guy down the field uh, that can catch the ball. Uh, and so I think that tight end position uh, will be pretty tough too. So, uh, and, and I mean, okay, they don't have Zeke. Well, somebody's got to replace his 12 touchdowns. Now we'll see what happens at the running back position, but there's sometimes you got to do different things to compensate for the talent that you lost. You got to do it a different way. Maybe you don't third and one and send a running back right up the middle every time to try to score a touchdown. You got to do something different. So uh, I, I think offensively they should be just as good uh, and 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 I would imagine that Dak Prescott will be much more careful with the ball now that he's got better wide receivers. Michael Gallup was not Michael Gallup last year. They were always one to two wide receivers short last year, and now they're stronger there. So I would imagine this offense should not drop off one bit. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Enjoy okay. your, uh, another season. Mickey Spagnola Thursdays. With us on 365 Sports, the Cowboys' last preseason game. I have to admit this, and I know the NFL is all-powerful, but I just haven't watched more than maybe 10 minutes, and it might have been just because the Cowboys were on against, I think, Jacksonville. I haven't been able to see the Cowboys play one single preseason game yet because uh, I have DirecTV, and they're in a battle with Nexstar, who owns the Fox station, that they've both been on. So... Uh, I thought it was because you were forced to watch Kansas basketball replays or something. You know, By the way, I went to Paul's house. Can I talk about yeah, this? Yeah, absolutely. I went to Paul's house to drop off a piece of equipment, and I walked in, and I'd been there. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. It's clean. It's, it's immaculate. It's spotless. You could. Amanda was vacuuming, and what you said was the 10th time that day, which means probably 15 or 20. I just said 10 was the median. So I walked to the, the I, I walked to the island in the kitchen. It used to be just littered with dirty dishes. That's not and true. And I, I, I had a napkin, and I tossed it on the floor. And I was running for my life yeah. by the time it hit the floor. I will tell you, our, cl- our house is cleaner than most hospitals. You could, if, if you need an appendectomy, like Amanda wouldn't have it, but if you need an appendectomy, you might be, depending on what city you're You walk in with the gloves and, yeah. You, you yeah. could, the doctor could come in, you could do it on the kitchen island, and it would be maybe cleaner than it would in, in a lot of hospitals in I'm the country. I'm telling you, man, it, it was is, spotless. It it's, is immaculate, yeah. spotless. I, I can't I, wait to spill, like, it. jelly on the floor or something I, like that. I will tell you this. I almost think I didn't get married. I like to put my milk in glass bottles because it keeps it colder. Yeah, I do. And uh, I don't do that, but I, one, I would if I did. One, one, I bought some, and one morning I had one that was like a half-gallon bottle. It has this handle on it, and I was pouring some milk into a bowl of cereal. It slipped out of my hands. It shattered all over the floor. Oh, that's great. And I was barefoot in the kitchen around glass and milk, and I think, like this was before I even proposed, but that was for a clean freak like Amanda. That was her Vietnam. And so it was. It was really bad. It I, was, I will pay you a hundred dollars to drop another bottle of full milk on the floor. Th- do you have? Do you clean out that extra bedroom. For yes. Me? All right. <laughs> All right. When we come back, Paul Catalina's top five, and this is three sixty five sports. Don's humidor and coffee beans, forty eight foot walking humidor, loaded. 
with every type of cigar you could ever want, with the greatest names in cigar business, Rocky Patel, which is my favorite, Ashton, Macanudo, Cohiba, uh, obviously Padron and many others. Artur Fuente, Romeo and Julieta. They have them. They have a bunch of them. But what also has been really cool is what I've learned about their THC and CBD products. Vita Dreams is a gummy that you can take at night. You kind of learn if you have for one or another one, and it allows you to fall asleep with a little bit less, I, I, a little more peaceful, where you're not like tossing and turning. And then on top of that, I found out about the THC gummies for people who have severe pain, whether it's body pain, whether it's back pain, whether it's bone pain. And then my second oldest brother, Mike, called me the other day. His wife, Cheryl's having some hip issues. And he asked me about the THC, and I told him they have what's called for bad days, for people with really bad chronic and even worse type pain. So he was going to look it up and try to see if that would work for her. They have what you need at Don Humidor for a great cigar. If you like to smoke pipes, that's good too. They have humidors and cutters and lighters and both CBD and THC products. Ask Ashley, Cheyenne, and also Carol about it more. Don Humidor and Coffee Beans in the Town West Shopping Center between Richland Drive and Valley Mills in Waco. The future's bright. The time is now. College is what you make it. It's a late-night pizza run and all-nighters coding a new project. It's having big dreams and making them a reality. It's a professor who knows your name and your story. It's preparation for your future, your calling, your life. And at Baylor, it's even more. Baylor, where lights shine bright. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Where is the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu from our pasture to your plate at TexasBeefHouse.com. Samantha Duvall joins us. She's the marketing director who knows all of the specials and also the events coming up. And thank you very much, as always, for your time. So all of these holidays are over. We've hit the meat of, literally, of the summer. And your thoughts about as you hit the month of August and into football season, Samantha? Football season's right around the corner, so that means it's perfect time for tailgating. Um, the best time to grab our hamburger patties is right now through the end of July. We still have our sale going on with our regular patties and our jalapeno and cheese patties. They're $12 a package, so that's four patties to a package. It's perfect for the time for football. Gather all your family around. That way you can grill it up. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas-raised Wagyu and how they age it as well. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. 
There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. It's time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. I'll talk about UPN in a second here. Uh, we got a, a comment on the text line about a commercial you can see in front of one of our videos from Factor, uh, who's one, uh, a new sponsor. Uh, and if you would like to see four through five more videos of me uh, enjoying food, uh, just click that link on Factor and watch the video. Or please. put up a camera and <laughs> share your it with people. Yeah. Share it with people because then they'll send us more and I can share it with everybody. Uh, but yeah, there was uh, it was really enjoyable. I want to talk about UPN Unite Private Networks really quick. You saw we had a little bit of buffering earlier in the show. Uh, it got dealt with very fast. Uh, within minutes, I was on the phone and we got to the break uh, with them. They fixed the issue or they found out what the issue was. It actually wasn't with them. It was kind of with us. But um, but it was a minor issue. And you notice. We never dropped off of our stream. We didn't have to end the show and restart it, which is huge for us. And that's what Unite Private Networks can do for you. They can absolutely speed up your business. Lost connections here mean lost revenue for us. And that's what it means for you and your business. So if you need to know more, go to UnitePrivateNetworks.com. The amount of time that it took me to get on the phone with somebody at the communication center compared to with our previous, it was... 1% of it. Two rings, answer the phone, what's wrong? They handled it in the break. Four minutes. Four minutes compared to one time I was here for two hours after the show was over yelling at a guy. So now here is the top five. Top five thoughts on ACC expansion. Number five. Are there more than four holdouts? I wonder this, and look, it may have changed, and, and I'm coming around on this after talking to Nicole Arbach a few minutes ago, but right now there are four holdouts because there only need to be four holdouts and there only need to be four that are are even semi-public about it. The others can just lay in the background and not hold out until they hear the deal and hear what they want, but there could be more. Like I was surprised that Miami wasn't one of the ones we heard about publicly, but if they were also maybe not for it, they didn't have to say they weren't for it because four people said before they even had to. And then, whichever way it goes, Miami can say, like, well, this is what we wanted the whole time. And I'm just using that as a theoretical example. But I wondered if there maybe were more than four holdouts, some that were secret, that maybe Jim Phillips had to do some more convincing on. Don't know, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, we don't know, but uh, certainly stands the reason that there could be some who haven't you know shown their full hand because why should they? They don't have to. I mean, you can say that you're, uh, you know, you're clearly seeing, you know, Florida State stake their claim on what they would like to see. And Notre Dame has, you know, given their two cents, but not everybody's weighed in on it. And, you know, a lot of those schools that we don't even think of to mention could very well be the key schools because mm-hmm. they could be the difference in adding or not. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, if I'm like Wake Forest, you know, I, I don't know exactly what my position is or their position is, but yeah, in theory, they're not really, to my knowledge, saying anything and they could 
be somebody who could go either way depending on the way the wind blows. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. If you've already let these other four schools be out there and be the ones who are stopping it, yeah. then you don't you win either way. Like, if you don't expand, you can be like, well, I'm glad that didn't happen. I didn't say anything about it. And if you do, you'll be like, well, this is what we needed for the ACC all right. along. This is why I pushed it. I'm, I'm, I'm out in front of it. Number four, what if SMU does this and then the a- ACC is gone in seven years? Um, I get, like you mentioned earlier, Craig, that maybe it was it's worth it just to try. Mm-hmm. If you've got the money, it's the investment they think it'll pay back. But if this doesn't save that conference, then SMU is back where they started. Yeah, but not doing anything leaves them completely yeah. out of the picture. So yeah, like, this the is same their old, same old. this is their big shot, and mm-hmm. I don't see, and I'm not an expert on anything. I know you know we, we're supposed to pretend like we know everything, but I I don't, and so I don't know what other options might creep up over the next few years. Speaking of Adderall, <laughs> calm down yeah. a second. <laughs> um, but. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what else could take place uh, moving forward, but it certainly seems like it's it's their last big swing at the plate, and so they're willing to go all in. And you know what? Let that be a problem when it becomes a problem. You don't not do something because well, what if in seven years something bad happens? Well, you, maybe you got six good years ahead of then, and it's all worth well, it. You yeah, know? and if you're at the table. If you have a seat at the table, your chances are better than if you don't. What if they go and flourish like they think they will, and all of a sudden yeah, they're a bigger they, draw than Baylor or uh, than Houston or than TCU or you know? And I know you know TCU would probably, given what's happened lately, be hard. Um, but yeah, I mean that's what you're banking on is that you can now show everybody what you've been, you know, be not able to show for years and years, and, and show why you belong. Easier than if you're not a part of the Power Five right. in some other way, yeah. whether that happens or not. Number three, TV math is confusing. No kidding. I've, I, I thought, and, and look, we spent a year talking to Bob Thompson and Pat Cranks and Jim Williams and all these people explaining it to me. And I have even more of a respect for them after I got this morning. And even with them taking partial shares, it means that there was still money there for these schools had they just gotten together and taken it. They just couldn't see when their way they were a it. part of the when Pac-12. they were part of the Pac-12, yeah. and because clearly the because I think the TV networks wouldn't have been like, listen, uh, Cal, we would rather watch you guys play Boston College, so do whatever you can to get to the ACC. That's not what this was about. This is about a league collapsing after they had opportunities and did not seize them, and. Now and you wonder, everything is falling into place a different weird way. They're but, all going to get the kind of money they were going to get in the first place. You wonder, had they done that, what would then the Big 12 have done? I think the Big 12 might have – I think it maybe would have all been the same because I think at that point when the Pac-12 they still was doing renewed it, the money. Yeah. they just would have been like, okay, we're going to do this because Brett Yormark's strategy wasn't to go, which is why he went to the – you know why his worked out and theirs didn't is he went and said, look, just give us kind of cost of living increase on this and we're good. We want the same deal again. We want stability. And the PAC 12 was like, we want 50. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying what would have happened if the big 12 had just taken the original or if the PAC 12 had taken it, what happens to the big 12? What would the big 12, would they still have had the ability just to extend what they have with the new, the, they have the incoming teams. They knew that, but would they have just been able to do what your mark did? Because we always hear is he jumped ahead in line, and right. there I was mean, money still available. They didn't get any extra money, really. So I mean, it wasn't as is deal. So 
possibly less than what they're getting now would have been more likely because you would have been already committing money to the pack that otherwise you weren't committing when you agreed to just keep the deal pretty much as is. So now you're doing, oh, let's have the same deal. Yeah, well, you know, we just signed the pack to a, a deal two months ago that was for this much money. So now we only, what are they going to say? What they're saying now is we don't have that much money remaining. Right. Sorry, this is the best we can do. I think the Big 12 would have gotten less money it uh, been in tight. the long run. It would have been tight. I don't think they would have, you know, fizzled out, obviously. Um, but it is – I hope that one day we can actually get the truth out there of, like, what were the original plans with all this? Because we know it was to kill off the Big 12. I mean, that was the, the move that looked like it was the most likely. It's not how it worked out, partly because the pack didn't play their role the way they should have played it. But, yeah, like, it, it just feels like there is a grand master plan happening behind the scenes. And I know that might sound paranoid, but when you see how it's all falling into place, like, even if there's been a couple chapters that weren't written exactly like you thought they might be, it all is consolidating. It all is starting to group together in shorter, you know, in, in, in smaller groupings, but, you know, just more teams within those smaller groupings. But it's it's a power four now. No, However yeah. you got there, it's yep. a power four, not a power five. Yep. Yep. Number two. Four and a quarter. If FSU and Clemson don't get most of the money, does that change anything for the ACC and trying to keep them happy? And if most of the money isn't really enough to bridge the gap, then we're kind of back at – at square one anyway, and maybe this is all moot because the ACC has to do this to protect against anything, but yeah, I, I don't, this is a question I honestly don't know the answer to because it's, it's been very confusing. I mean, I know there's not every school in that league can like puff their chest out and say, well, we're not standing for this, but as a collective they can, and I, I can see where this temporarily works. I just don't see how you just, you, you're basically FSU's B for the rest of your lives no. because that's kind of what it's setting up to be if you just cave into, to, you know, any demand just to keep them happy. Well, as we learned with Texas or as we've learned with other, you know, various comparable scenarios over the years, you're just going to keep doing that. That doesn't ever end. That was my point earlier yeah. in the show, that if you give them that much clout, and I understand who they are, and they do too, and everybody else does, are you now putting yourself in a position where they're going to start muscling up more often? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, are they going to get an extra five or six million a year? Is that all? Is that what it is? Is that why they're voting against it? Because they want... They want twenty five. Well, I mean, like, but there's the, not yeah, twenty five so, exactly. Yeah, so, okay. but that's what's gonna. Yeah, I don't know. Well, there it, is, but they're just gonna. It's gonna be taken from the pot of others that you know otherwise yeah. it would equally share, and that's where it's it becomes uneven and unequal, and that's just why it seems very combustible. Yeah. And, and if I'm the rest of the ACC, I'm not gonna feed a straight cat. Exactly. Because, yeah, like, I'm not it gonna keep coming that. back. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna keep coming back. And number one, they know this is gonna be a nightmare, right? Like when they get into it. It might work out for them financially or might be able to keep things together, but this is going to be a nightmare. And as like football, fine, whatever, one game a week, but all the rest of it is going to be an absolute logistical Every, bowl of spaghetti. Okay, the SEC is now the most condensed conference in America, correct? Because the ACC is a, a, what appears to be going to be coast to coast. Right. The Big 12 is all but coast-to-coast, and then the Big Ten is coast-to-coast. And the SEC now has their tight little family from Texas to the East Coast. And then a little bit up the East Coast. It's it's nuts, yeah. I mean, they're actually the regional conference. No, they are. They They are are the only one, um, and they have enough fans within that footprint to still be national. Um, whereas the others don't nec- – they have to spread out to get the national kind of appeal. Uh, that's where the SEC uh, does kind of have the 
the way that you would like it, uh, the, the best setup for sure. But, um, yeah, it's going to be – I mean, if it happens, you know, it still has to happen. I know that, you know, probably after talking to Nicole Auerbach, there's more people convinced that it will. Um, I have no – I'm not in those meeting rooms, so I have no idea. It certainly seems like there's more momentum that it will than it won't. But as we've seen, these things are very fluid. And, um, you know, it, it is, though, if it does go through, going to be uh, – really interesting and, and kind of a nightmare yeah kind of a nightmare that that's not going to end they're not just going to wake up and everybody's going to be all happy and satisfied that's the thing no no either no. way this goes there's more tour more more turmoil uh out there waiting i i wanted to share this i know we're a, across the six o'clock hour uh there was a, a back and forth with bob thompson our great friend the former S, uh, ceo president of fox someone was saying that this is about the Pac-12. Since there are still 12 members, at least for the 23-24 season, couldn't the majority vote to disband and split the money? We're talking about whatever's left. And Bob Thompson makes this clear. Once you notify the conference of your intent to resign, you no longer have a say in the operations of the conference. So the only ones that do right now are Cal Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State. If Cal Stanford say they're going to the ACC, there are two votes left. Two votes to... Two votes to do anything else you want to do, yeah. I guess. Uh, maybe distribute the money. That yeah. you know, you know, want. There's still money coming into but they the still have right? a, But they have a contract. They're not, they're not leaving the conference until the contract is over. No, so. they're not leaving until after the grant of rights yeah, ends, so which is at the end of this year. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, they're not going to... Oregon State and Washington hey, State are going to... Washington gonna, State and Oregon State might want to change the rules, and we all get... 50% each, and everyone else yeah, can suck They're not going to Ocean's Eleven yeah, this yeah. thing. No, but Yeah, but they also would get stuck with that $70 million Comcast bill, too. Mm-hmm. Garrett Ross, oh, great yeah. stuff. Emery Winter, Levi Caraway, and Jack McKenzie. Paul's flying solo tomorrow. We have high school football starting tomorrow night. We'll be up in Mansfield, Texas. We'll also have a game in Mejia, Texas. And then uh, Monday, Paul starts the triple option, which will be one until two in the afternoon. I'm David Smoke. Thank you for watching us. Craig Smoke, Paul Catalina, our incredible sponsors, and you, the audience, we can't do it without all of you. This is 365 Sports. Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, 